Tune in to the Neil Prendeville Show weekdays from 9am on Cork's Red FM. And a very good morning. This is Mick Mulcahy. You can call the programme on 1850 You can text 0868 You can email neil at redfm.ie. And staying with the weather, the mirror has sunny rays ahead. Temperatures to stay in the 20s. Hot weather until next week. Ireland's Indian summer is set to continue this week. We didn't get much of it yesterday, but it's expected to arrive today with temperatures to hang around the low 20s in the coming days. The sunny rays will be graced uh, across the country with uh, continuing blue skies in places, but there will be occasional showers as well. A balmy 23 degrees is expected in many parts of the country today. Matt Aaron has said we can look forward to more of the same into next week. And it's likely things will change uh, beyond that as we welcome the autumn months. Uh, Forecaster Matthew Martin told the Irish Mirror, the decent spell of weather looks like it'll stay for us until the early days of next week for sure. Urgent talks at airport has the echo. We covered this in some detail yesterday on the programme. Uh, the government is urged to reform the green list. Management at Cork Airport has called on the government to reform the travel green list to restore confidence in international travel and ensure the future of the airport. We'll know a lot about that before 12 midday today. Cork Airport is set to lose around 20 million this year as a result of the pandemic with passenger numbers falling by 95% during lockdown and not expected to recover to 2019 levels for another four years. Interesting comment you may have heard on the news bulletin there that uh, essentially the uh, infrastructure is owned by two private companies, Aer Lingus and uh, Ryanair. And the government needs to be cognizant of that because if those assets move away, then we are to all intents and purposes cut off uh, by air at least from the rest of Europe. In its presentation, the airport said the COVID-19 crisis has had a catastrophic impact on the facility's finances and management set out five key points for the government to address in a bid to ensure the future of the airport. As we said yesterday, fighting for its very existence. And Oireachtas members, uh, this is inside the echo, uh, join uh, urgent talks at the airport. One of the meetings, there was three of them yesterday, uh, The uh, some of the Oireachtas members are pictured attending. Now to the uh, mail, on the front page of the mail, please do not leave Dublin is the main headline. Wet pubs are to stay shut as capital faces new restrictions to tackle rising COVID-19 cases. People in Dublin may be asked not to leave the capital as part of a suite of new COVID restrictions unveiled today. And wet pubs in Dublin will not be permitted to open next week in the plans to be signed off by the Cabinet. We'll hear about it from about 11.30 onwards today. While all of the country will be placed at level two in the government's new five-tiered living with COVID plan, Dublin will be hit with additional restrictions, possibly going into level three, including only one household being allowed to visit another. So no uh, six people from three households happening in Dublin, just a person from one household or two people perhaps being allowed to do a visit. There are now serious concerns about the spread of the virus in the capital. Taoiseach Leo Varadkar, beg your pardon, Leo Varadkar, yesterday said there had been a 20-fold increase in the incidence rate of the virus in Dublin over the last few weeks. The warnings came as 208 new COVID cases were announced last night. 108 of them were in Dublin alone. And latest figures from the Department of Health show the rate of infection per 100,000 in the capital 92.33, higher than both Leash at 69.66 and Offaly at 80.81 when they were placed into localised lockdown. So it's coming, the lockdown is coming for Dublin. Well, not a full lockdown, but certainly they'll be at a grade higher, I think, than the rest of the country when we get the, the updates on that 
today. Now, the Living with uh, corona, uh, COVID roadmap is also published in the Examiner today. The government's proposed roadmap for living with COVID-19 will see counties and regions graded 1 to 5 on the prevalence of the virus, with each level dictating the level of restrictions in place in that area. And I assume they're going to go by county bounds if they're going to lock places down. The, the uh, problem is, uh, you know, we don't have square or circular bounds here. Uh, they're all over the place, really. But under the plan, the levels will be assessed based on the 14-day prevalence of the virus, the time of year, the level of community transmission, and the rate of hospital and ICU admissions, which are rising at the moment. So, let's look at pubs. The reopening of so-called wet pubs has been a vexing issue since it was delayed at the end of August. Under the plan, that reopening wouldn't be delayed again, except possibly in Dublin in levels one and two. Establishments would open in the manner we currently see, with restricted numbers and with extra protective measures. You probably also won't be able to go near the bar, it'll be table service only, and you'll probably have to book a table. Uh, to go for a pint. Uh, a move to levels three and four would see bars and restaurants limited to outdoor seating for a maximum of 15 people and food limited to takeaway and delivery. Under level five, all the establishments would be closed, irrespective of whether you serve food or not. So that'll be ending. The distinction will be ending once they open uh, across most of the country next Monday. Now, let's look at schools. The government has made no secret of the fact that it views having schools open as extremely important to the Irish society and economy. Under the new plan, every effort will be made to keep schools, childcare facilities and colleges open. They would only be closed in the event of a region or the country moving to a level five stage of alert. Sources say this will be key to ensuring other parts of the economy and society can continue to operate. Let's look at work. All of this in the examiner today. Under the plan, working from home where possible will remain the advice up to level three. At level three, people will be told to stay at home unless absolutely necessary. At levels four and five, only essential workers will be permitted to attend in person. Public transport will largely follow the same format with the existing guidance in place for levels one and two and necessary travel only in level three. And four and five levels would see only essential workers permitted to use buses, trains and trams. So there's a very coherent plan about to be announced, it seems. In sport, the plan also will make allowances for crowds to resume attending sporting events. In levels one and two, up to 500 people will be able to attend venues of a 5,000 capacity. And up to 5,000 people will be allowed to attend events in venues such as Croke Park. However, the plan will be harshest on cultural venues with sector-wide closures from level three onwards. And finally, in travel, the return of the five-kilometre radius would be on the cards, but only if a region reaches level five. At levels three and four, restrictions will be brought in requiring people to stay within their counties or regions, though it is unlikely this will be imposed in Dublin. Meanwhile, Ireland is also set to scrap the green list of safe countries. One government said the plan had fallen by the wayside, Instead, Ireland will join the European Centre for Disease Control, the traffic light system. Travellers to non-green areas would have to take tests before and after travel. That may save the airlines and that may save Cork Airport. Let's wait and see. Now, the restriction comparison with Europe is given a very good voice, um, pictorially as well, in the Times UK edition today. So I'll just direct you to that. The gathering storm. Uh, in Northern Ireland, the restrictions of no more than six from two households. In Wales, uh, six, no more than six indoors from the same extended household group. In Portugal, you can have ten. A limit of ten outdoors in Lisbon, extending nationwide from September 15th. In Spain, you can have ten people. 
uh, including children. Uh, some regions have the same limit indoors. In France, there are no restrictions as long as you maintain distancing. In England, from today, it's six people. Scotland, it's six people. Netherlands, six people. In Germany, you can have ten outdoors. In Belgium, you can have five indoors. So it really is a, a hodgepodge right across the European Union. Now, the Irish Independent today says the price of a green budget is the cost of a new car to rise by €1,000. Higher electricity levy is now also on the cards and self-employed workers could see PRSI rise to 11%. The price of an average new car would increase by upwards of €1,000 under a proposed overhaul of VRT in the forthcoming budget. And speaking to Conor Faulkner of the AA Consumer Affairs Division yesterday, uh, he called this a Swiss. This is the only place in Europe uh, that has this made-up VRT tax and it continues to make cars more expensive here for Irish citizens alone. A prestigious government think tank says the buyers of new cars with average or above average emissions should pay more tax to push people towards greener vehicles. The radical shake-up proposed in a special tax strategy group report adopts a carrot-and-stick polluter pays approach throughout. In the longer term, households may have to start paying excise duty on electricity. For the first time. That's not a luxury. How can you live without electricity? This is the green policies now filtering in to uh, keep the government afloat, I imagine, with Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael. Vaccine hope on the horizon claims the Tónishta. Uh, that's not happening, says Department of Health sources. Confusion abounded in the government last night after Tónishta Leo Varadkar said he's optimistic that Ireland can beat um, COVID-19 by beginning vaccinating again against it in the new year. After weeks in which the government has been criticised for its messaging on COVID-19, Mr Varadkar made a surprising announcement on vaccinations in Ireland. He said there's hope on the horizon for a vaccine for the elderly and healthcare workers. But the Irish public should be prepared for further lockdowns as we head into winter. And this caused a bit of confusion uh, as the government finalises its new Living with COVID plan today, which will run for six months, by the way. Mr Varadkar made it clear the public should prepare for more localised lockdowns and that Cabinet will make a final decision whether further restrictions are necessary for counties where the virus is spiking. A Brexit backfire. This is all happening, of course, uh, and while COVID takes the front pages. The British government's Brexit negotiating tactic has backfired, Leo Varadkar said, as Boris Johnson's law-breaking bill was passed comfortably last night. It was passed for a second reading, at least. The Taunish declaimed countries, including the US, are questioning future trade deals with the UK over its handling of the fallout. He called for the British government to change its mind on its plan to break international law by breaching parts of the withdrawal agreement. Boris Johnson says he has to do it so a foreign power won't split the UK. And some very tongue-in-cheek stuff on Facebook yesterday as Ireland uh, hypothetically wrote to the UK. And we can give you some help on that. We know how it feels when a foreign power dictates your future and splits your country. If you want any help on that, give us a shout. It also said, P.S., the other 62 countries who gained their independence from you, say hi. Road deaths rise despite less traffic in lockdown. This is an unfortunate uh, statistic. Road crash deaths this year have jumped, uh, despite traffic being down 70% during the lockdown. 106 people killed on our roads by yesterday, compared to 94 on the same day last year. That's a 13% increase, and we all know how little traffic was on the roads, comparatively and relatively, over the last six months. It's 19 minutes after nine. The Neil Prenderville Show. With Tesco. Save time and shop online. Simply log on to tesco.ie. Hello, very good morning. This is Mick Mulcahy. Two things I said yesterday which sparked off a torrent 
of texts and uh, comments in contact with the programme. One was the proposed protest outside schools at the children incessantly having to wear masks from start of day to finish. And the other was a comment I read out from this gentleman, Kieran Barry. Good morning, Kieran. Morning, Mick. Now, I read a comment uh, very quickly yesterday. There wasn't 10 seconds in it. Uh, your daughter couldn't get a, te- a theory test until March, and uh, there's no point in you in even engaging in expensive lessons until she gets her theory test, as she had to, has to wait six months. How is it taking so long, seven months, how is it taking so long for any uh, young person these days, or anybody, any Irish citizen, to get a driving theory test? Well, basically, Mick... Um, and we were kind of, I suppose, a bit naive about this. Ava has been talking about driving since she was about 12. She's turning 17 in November. We said, look, we better book her theory test for her. Went online. Next available theory test in Cork is next March. Now, next March. Bearing in mind, if she does a theory test next March and passes it, there then is a waiting period of up to two weeks before she actually gets a permit. And until she has that permit, she cannot take up driving lessons or go on the road. Okay. And then isn't there a mandatory six months uh, after you get your theory six test before you can sit your driving test? Before she can apply for her driving license. Apply for the driving license, yeah. And yeah. so then, not only has she got to wait seven months for the theory test, two weeks if she's successful to get it, six month mandatory wait before you can apply for your test. And then you have to suffer whatever backlog exists at the time you apply. That could be a year and a half then. Yeah, but the, 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 the point I was making yesterday is we were trying to get her booked with a driving instructor um, in November to start uh, learning how to drive. And that process now cannot proceed until next March, providing she does get and pass her theory test. So I just think it's, it's ludicrous, to be honest with you. Yeah, so young people can drive at 17. Uh, so now they have to, at least six or seven months prior to their 17th birthday, apply for the theory test to get it at 17. Then they're 17 well, and a half before... If we had known that, we would have gone away in last March or April and booked the theory test for her, you know, for, for November. Mm-hmm. You, you may have had, heard the situation that I had personally had to, had to endure in that my own son could not get having got his full uh, driving test and passed it, I couldn't get the licence printed here in Cork, I couldn't get the hearing, to the 10-minute hearing, to get the, you know, to bring in your documents and your passport and your picture and all that. Couldn't get an appointment in Cork for six weeks. Uh, got one six, seven days later in Castlebar and had to drive up to Castlebar to get it. Farcical. Well, I, what I don't understand, you can get a passport in a couple of weeks, which is a far more um, important document However, for a theory test next March is the hour she can get a theory test. I, I know there's a backlog, and it's it's obvious there's going to be a backlog because myself, there's been no testing. COVID has affected everything. I see it in my own business, like mattresses that I was getting in on a week-to-week basis that I could quote a week delivery are now going to three to four weeks. And that, that's all down to social distancing in factories, and I understand completely there is a delay in everything. But seven months for a, the- a theory test, I, I mean, obviously, the, the they must be social distancing inside the theory test areas, uh, and that's probably pushing things out. But how are we going to get on top of this backlog? I wonder, is, I is this know. an outsourced situation from the government, or are the government funding this directly? 
I wonder if they're private know, company I, don't, I don't have information. I wish someone would come on that, that knew, uh, that maybe some driving instructor or someone that knew this business more could come on and explain the process. I don't understand the process. Like you, it's a long time ago since we did our lessons and there was no theory test back then, you know, so that's a different yeah. situation. Um, but I, I assumed, again, naively, that we could apply in the past couple of weeks to hurt the theory test for a birthday in November and, you know, get her lessons then and get her on the road for, you know, Christmas, whatever, like, you know, because she she is very passionate about driving and, you know, that's what, what she'd like to do. Well, I'd love she, to get she, some clarity. We we had a man crying on the air yesterday because of the treatment, he, him, yeah, the treatment he allegedly received in, uh, you know, in a driving test centre uh, where common sense did not seem to prevail and where connectivity between these various government departments uh, didn't seem to exist um, and, and cry, a man, a grown man crying on the air because he had to hire a taxi from Belfast to come home because his, his wife could not get her New York driving license. And even though she went through all the red tape and jumped through all the hoops, uh, you know, was failed at the last minute because she didn't have one particular letter, which she could have gone home and got. Um, but no, there was no quarter and there was no lenience given. So I'd love to get some clarity on, on what exactly happens in the whole driving test and driving license application process. How far are we behind? How long are young people expected to wait? Uh, and how soon do you have to get that booking in to facilitate your 17-year-old? If anybody out there can uh, shed some light on that, I'd be delighted. I also got a text, Kieran, last night on a personal level from a person who retired from the industry about five years ago. And he said, you'll be very lucky to get anyone with a driving school to come on air with you because if they do, their students will be discriminated against. And that can't be right either. Yeah, when I actually rang a guy this morning before I came on air to you, um, I won't mention his name, he's a driving instructor. Um, and again, like that, you know, I just asked him, is what I'm saying correct? Because I, I don't have the knowledge of this industry, you know. And he has had a few incidents in the past few weeks of the same story as I'm telling you. Mm-hmm. Basically with people, you know, that expected to apply for it like a passport and you have it in a few weeks. And they're told, you know... It's months and months and months, six months. Like, if in theory, right? If Ava gets this appointment, which is booked for March, if she does pass the theory test in March, now bear in mind this process has started in September twenty. So, if she, in theory, gets the theory test in March, she waits two weeks to get her permit. Then she undergoes her driving instructions. And then she has to wait six months to apply for a test. The whole process is not far off 12 months. It's 12 to 16 or 18 months. It's certainly not streamlined, and I'd love to shed some light on why it isn't and why it can't be. Uh, just a text came in there, Kieran. I had to book Killarney to do it, as it's six months to get a slot in Cork. But in Killarney, it's a month. So I have to travel down there and stay in a hotel to sit the exam, said Mark. And that can't be right either. I don't know why he can't travel up and down the same day, uh, but maybe it's a bus or a transport issue for him as he tries to sit his theory test. But six months in Cork, you can get it in a month in Killarney. Let's see how the rest of the country are doing, or if anyone else has experience of that as we go. Uh, Kieran Barry, thank you very much for bringing that to us. Can I just say one uh, thing to you before you sure. go there, please? I was looking at Instagram last night, and I saw Neil on his um, cruise up on the Shannon, and he docked it into some lock or somewhere where he was going to. But can I just say, the shows are safe hands while you're there, in fairness. You're doing a great job. That's very kind of you. Thank you very much. Okay, talk to you soon, mate. Thanks, Kieran. Thank you very much.
Okay, you can contact the program one eight five zero one zero four one zero six. Text zero eight six eight one zero four one zero six, or email Neil at redfm dot ie. Uh, we're going to Darren in a moment on the coronavirus figures. The Neil Prenderville Show on Twitter at Neil Red FM. And while the commercials were playing, there another Darren has contacted the program. So we have two Darrens on hold now. So I'll have to ask Darren on coronavirus to wait for a moment. We have Darren from uh, Mullane School of Driving or Milan School of Driving. Not sure what the pronunciation. Mullane or Milan, Darren. Uh, hi, Mick. Milan School of Motoring. How are you doing? Okay, don't do yourself any damage here now by calling out any, uh, you know, any bad practice here. But uh, thanks for coming on. You're a driving instructor, and you think it's a joke? Yeah, the theory tests are an absolute joke at the moment. Like, I have clients ringing me saying that they can't get theory test dates till February or March next year. That means you don't have any work then. Well, currently we've never been busier because we're walking off a 14-week backlog because there was no driving tests done for 14 weeks and we were closed during lockdown for 14 weeks. So currently we've never been busier, but like my fear is in 14 weeks' time when this backlog is gone, where does that leave driving instructors for 2021? Yes, because even though you're busy now mopping up and doing refresher lessons, shall we say, for people whose test is impending that might have been cancelled... The people who need to who need to be in the pipeline for you have to wait to get the theory test, and then there's a mandatory six months after they get it before they'll need, you know, maybe five months before they'll start going into their driving lessons again. Well, like I talk on today's figures, like if someone currently, my clients that applied for driving tests at the moment on the first of May are being scheduled for the fourteenth of October, so that's currently around five five and a half months that the driving test waiting list is. So we take someone that comes into the system now that wants to become a learner driver. They're booking a Terry test or getting a date for either February or March next year. Now that's presuming that they pass the Terry test on the first attempt. If they don't pass the Terry test on the first attempt, they could be going into next summer mm-hmm. before they get retested again. Then they have to do their 12 compulsory driving lessons. Now it's recommended that they do one lesson every two weeks and they get three to ten hours driving experience in between with a sponsor, which will be the fully licensed driver. Yes. So then they apply for their driving test after a six-month period, and I can only go on today's figures of five months. Five to five and a half months from what my own clients are waiting. That's nearly 12 months. Now, my fear is we're sitting here in coming into October. So... The five-month waiting list is gone. Like, if there's no new learner drivers come into the system, what happens when the waiting list goes down? What happens in six months? I have a 14-week backlog of driving lessons at the moment. That's gone at Christmas. But yet again, there's no new learner drivers coming into the system because they're not getting test dates till February or March. So where does that leave driving instructors for 2021? And is the government funding this directly? The, the agencies that handle all of these, the theory tests... The driving test, uh, you know, the printing of the license, the NDLS, we have to travel to get your appointment. Is that outsourced to private companies or is it government funded? I suppose the government's paying for it one way or the other. From what I take, Prometric is the company that does the Terry test and as far as I'm aware, they're a private company. Okay. So they're being paid by the government to fulfill a service and they can't facilitate somebody in Cork for seven months. Absolutely. Now, another thing, look, I can see why driving tests, their social distance issues, and they're running as much capacity as they can, right? To be fair about it, driving tests are taking a lot longer than they normally did. A driving test would be 40 minutes normally, where it's probably taking an hour and five minutes 
now we're in 10 minutes out from to conduct the test. Mm-hmm. So they, I can I can understand that because a lot of the driving test now is being done from outside the vehicle and it's taking a lot more, it's taking testers a lot longer to actually conduct a driving test, which is totally acceptable with the social distancing. But, like, if there's no new learner drivers come into the system, where does that leave us in a couple of weeks, in a couple of months' time? Now, in order to create a backlog, one system has to move faster than the other. In order to eradicate the backlog? Exactly. So if the theory tests aren't running as fast as driving tests... You're you're going to run out of potential customers to keep your business going. Uh, but everybody's going to run out of customers. Like, in, it, it, like it, it, all these learner drivers in February that get their carry test dates, they cancel a driving test till next October or next November until the six months has lapsed. And, like, they can't they apply for their driving test once they have their license for six months. The national average waiting list before lockdown was under 10 weeks. It seems to me that the logjam here, then, is the theory test. Shouldn't, shouldn't there be more resources applied to making that uh, ha- that that test happen faster, bring it from seven Absolutely. to six to five to four to three months to two months to a month. No, to be honest about it, the theory test is only a computer based test. Like there's loads of other ways. Like I know the driving test is four to five months waiting list at the moment, but like being fair now and being fair about it, like I've had customers get cancellations and I've get like I'd always advise someone look if you're looking for a cancellation ring the first thing in the morning because people leave an automated voicemail on the RSA system when they're cancelling tests. So and ring like, first thing in the morning? Ring first thing in the morning because like people do cancel driving tests for all various types of reasons. And like I've had clients that have been lucky and have gotten test dates within a week or two but like when you go into the scheduled system go on a cancellation list if you're ready for a test. But I'd always advise someone not to go on a cancellation list if you're not ready for a driving test because you could be caught very quickly. Just hold on there. We've got Marty on line six. Hi, Marty. Hang on there, Darren. Hello there. Oh, yeah. uh, what I wanted to say about the driving systems and all that is that uh, young fellow 16 years ago, of age, he can drive the biggest four-wheel tractor in Ireland. And then he can connect the biggest low loader in Ireland onto the tractor. And then he can put the biggest bulldozer in Ireland on the low loader. And then he can drive away on the public road. And I think that is a disgrace. Can he drive without supervision of... of, uh... Oh, nobody else, just himself. And he can drive on the public roads, and usually youngsters, they drive at flat-out speeds. Now, if you look at it like this way, if there was a very responsible person, like a a nurse that was out training, and that she needed the car to go to work, say, maybe 15 or 20 miles away, she can't go to work. She'll need to have somebody with her. And uh, if she buy a tractor, she can go to work on a tractor to the hospital and back. But she can't go. Even if you can do the smallest boat, you know the little two-seater smart cars. Mm-hmm. If, she, if she got one of them, she still can't go in a tiny tractor, uh, in a tiny car like that. But if a uh, youngster wants to go on the road, he can practically do what he likes. And going back a good few years ago, about 15, 20 years ago, there was a big farmer alongside me, and he had two children, 
around eight years of age, driving the biggest tractors that you could get, and they were cutting big uh, silage trailers and slurry tanks. I stood alongside it one day, and the tires of the slurry tank was six foot in height, the same as myself, and the tires were about a foot and a half. And That's they were huge, them. huge power as well, yeah. Okay, Marty, th- thanks for that. I'll leave you there because the line's not great. That's a bizarre system, isn't it, Darren? Yeah, like, just to clear up a few points there, number one, you can't drive a work vehicle for social and domestic pleasure purposes. A, a work vehicle is just basically for farm and going to farm and road. Like but but a, a, a tractor that's taxed can go on the public roads, yeah? It can go on the public road, but like I wouldn't imagine that tractor insurance would cover you for social and domestic pleasure purposes. I wouldn't reckon that an insurance company would actually allow a tractor to be driven as a car, as in to commute. Now, another thing would be, the, that is a bizarre system, and I'd agree with that. Like, I'll give you an example. I hold a coach license, I hold a bus license, I hold a truck license, and I have a motorbike license, and I can't tow a car and trailer. Well, I can't tow a horse box, I, even though I have a coach license, double-decker, single-decker, and I have a lorry license, and I can't tow a trailer. Because I never sat my driving test towing a trailer. So, they, therefore, I can drive a double-decker bus, but I can't tow a horse box. I, I think the system needs to be some way streamlined and reorganised. Let, let's look at some of the texts that your call has generated, Darren, and that uh, Kieran who came on first is generated. And theory tests, not available in Cork until March, but available in Killarney in November. Hi, McMallow has availability for theory tests in four to five weeks. I booked mine last week for early October, uh, four weeks after booking. Tell your caller, try Mallow. Hi, tell that man to get his daughter to do the theory test somewhere else outside of Cork. My son just did his theory test in Tralee last week. Had to travel down to do it. No waiting list there compared to Cork. It's ridiculous. There's no reason why they can't issue a learner permit once you pass your theory test at the theory test centre. It's utter stupidity. Look what appointments they would free up in the license centre. It's not rocket science, says Mark. And why didn't they this year just give all applications for January to December the theory test pass? They still get them to do extra lessons and that the driving instructors call it. A bit like the leaving cert, really, isn't it? Where the teachers should know best, but the government are saying, no, we'll, we'll apply our own twisted logic to it. Where's the, where are we going to go with this, Darren? What's, what's the future? There's a log jam. How is it going to be cleared? Well, see, to be honest about it, the log jam needs to be cleared, number one, right? But if, if the log jam clears, right, for example, we just said theory tests go back to normal capacity. It's going to jam at the other end because they won't have the capacity to test. Okay, I'm, so, I'm, I'm conscious we have the other Darren uh, on the line. Darren, the other Darren on coronavirus, sorry for keeping you waiting. Are you okay to hold a few more minutes? Oh, yeah, no problem. Okay, you're enjoying the, the, the conversation anyway. Stay with us, Darren. Back, back to the first Darren. So, in driving, driving structures in 2021, uh, they're going to have a huge la- lack of business, really, aren't they? Absolutely. And no new learners coming into the system from when, do you imagine? Well, at the moment, if you, as I say, go to become a driving, you want to become a driver, want to become a learner driver, you can't sit your theory test till March or April based on the figures that we're listening to. So, therefore, you're not, therefore, you probably won't even sit your driving test in 2021. It'll be probably 2022 by the time the six-month rule elapses and by the time you actually get to sit your driving test. 
So wouldn't the simplest thing, Darren, be, be to eliminate the, what seems to me to be the farcical rule of having to wait? You, you get your theory test and now you can't do anything for six months. Why can't you get your theory test and apply for your driving test straight away? If there's a backlog in the driving testing, then you have all that time to do your lessons. But see, the reason the six-month rule was brought in in the first place was because of safety. Now, can you imagine, look, I get loaner drivers of all walks of life. I get loaner drivers that just basically take 12 driving lessons and have no experience in between. Now, it's recommended that nationally that you would have 120 hours of driving experience before you'd sit your driving test. Now, that would be total experience in the sense of with parents, etc. So... If you're going there to do your driving test with just taking the 12 lessons, you've only 10% of what's required to actually pass a test. Mm-hmm. So what was actually happening then is you were getting Mary or Johnny that would go in and do the 12 lessons over two or three weeks and go straight in for a driving test and endanger the tester, instructor and other road users. So therefore, when they brought out the six-month rule, it was a case of Mary or Johnny is driving six months that they're up to the standard of the test. If, if the EDT system is completed correctly, mm-hmm. the EDT system, we just say, I take your son or daughter out for a lesson. You pay me for the 12 lessons. I fill out the logbook. I do lesson one, lesson two. It's a structured system. But you are meant to take your daughter or son then out for three to ten hours driving experience in between each lesson. When they get to lesson 12, then they should have acquired up to 120 hours of actual physical driving experience. But surely you could do that in 12 weeks, three months. You could, but like, Nick, I have parents that do nothing. I have parents that tell me, oh, the insurance is too expensive, or I haven't time, or like, I have parents that literally just pay for the 12 lessons and think their kids can go in and pass a test. I know. And, and like we get in at the end of the 12 lessons but he took 12 lessons and like the EDC system is definitely a program designed to help learner drivers and to get to pass a driving test and to be honest about it it's quite successful when when done correctly but the biggest problem that I face as a driving instructor is nobody very, very few of my clients actually have a sponsored driver either because the insurance is too expensive or they have nobody to do it or they're... Uh, it's a yeah, they're, they're waiting to get their full licence before they apply for insurance because it's cheaper. Absolutely. No, there is a lot of schemes going with insurance companies at the moment, like they put boxes in the car and stuff. Like, make my first insurance in 1998 was £3,800. And like, at 17 on a learner permit. Wow. And on, on a £500 Ford Fiesta. And at the time, there was only one insurance company that would ensure learner drivers. There's, there's only one or two now, so I've, I've got to move on, but uh, there's only one or two now. Aviva can do the lessons thing and give the insurance, and the Boximo will, will look after young drivers as well. Now, uh, the only thing about the Aviva with the free insurance, right, and I just want to make this clear, they, you're not insured to drive on your own on the Aviva insurance. They make that crystal clear in the policy. And not only that is, if you're on free Aviva insurance, me as a driving instructor, I'm not insured to take you out in the car. It's only the policy holder or the Aviva instructor that's covered under that free insurance. Oh, I see. I didn't know that. Thanks for clarification on that. It looks like Boxmo's is is where most of the youngsters are going now to get their first year or two done safely. And, you know, no no issue with it. It's very good. But they only allow eight to 10,000 kilometres a year. That's it. You can buy more, you yeah. can earn more through good driving, yeah. apparently. But there you it go. It sounds cheap, but look, 8,000 kilometres is a lot to some people. So, but it's look. only 160 a week. 
Darren Mullane yeah, from Mullane uh, School of Driving uh, School of Motoring. Thank you very much. Got to move on. Thanks, thanks Darren. Bye now. Thanks. Now to the other Darren. Thanks for holding, Darren. How are you? Jeez, I don't know. I'm, I'm baffled. I don't know. I didn't know who you were talking at the start. Yeah, I don't know if live up to that. I don't know. He was he was very exciting to listen to. Well, you sound like a, a real cork, Darren. Anyway. Ah, well, there you go. No, you're stereotyping me there. No, I don't no, know I'm not. Right. No, I just love the accent. <laughs> so you you, well, ra- you rang about coronavirus. I just wanted to ring because you know I just I, I was noticing the last few days um, just adverts on the TV. You know how again they're bringing up symptoms, which they didn't bring up once during the summer. I know they're bringing up symptoms, you know, on TG Car and other such channels. If you experience symptoms, you know, like you could have COVID-19. I was a beautifully well-spoken woman, like, you know, from wherever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like, you know, like, why weren't they doing that during, during the summer? It's only coming out now when like this time of year it's getting colder. I'm only a young enough man myself, but I can feel the nip in the air. And people are going to start, start to guess, you know, these symptoms anyway. Why, why weren't they talking about it during the summer? It's like, did COVID-19 take a break? And I'm mean, not sure. Was, was was there a sense that we've done enough to beat it now? It's it's on, it's on the retreat, and as long as we mind ourselves and don't travel in, in, into silly places, and we'll you know maintain this red and green list, uh, that it'll be gone by the time the autumn comes. The schools will open successfully. None of that has happened. The virus is very resilient and maybe morphing into a more powerful agent now. Uh, yeah, I just I don't know. I don't know. Nick, uh, it's like the whole summer that like. There was nothing. It's like it's just a normal flu or something. Like it's, like you can get flus during the summer. I know if you get hot at one moment, then you get cold, maybe jumping into the sea or whatever. But these spikes in cases, and and then like hardly nobody dying and stuff. And uh, like I was not everybody wears the mask in town. Like even when they don't want it, they're going above and beyond. You know these people they care so much. You know about their grannies. You know I've never seen so much care for people's grannies. You know around the place. You see these people walking around with their masks on, looking at you like. Um, Ah, uh, you know, like that. You're, you should be wearing the mask and stuff like this. I mean, there's so much I wanted to get through. I wanted to call in since the very start of this whole thing. You know, uh, I don't listen to mainstream media much because they just take us for a ride and they, they take us for fools. To be honest, not you personally, no, and yourself, and um, what's the other fella? Neil. Neil. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I, I've like I grew up with you, lads. You know, you're part of my life. You know what I mean. So actually, like, I kind of have a trust in you that, like, I wouldn't have with other media stations, like we we'll say Sky News or BBC or RT, like the them vampires that to be on that station that they, they, they talk like vampires. You know, who could trust even the way they even speak? But Darren, there's um, all sorts of cons- conspiracy going... theories out there. They're, they're, uh, someone told me the other day that COVID actually stands for Certificate of Vaccination Identification. No, it doesn't stand for coronavirus disease 19. Yeah, but you know... And, and this is another thing I'm trying to, like... Like, they never... There's always every day it's so the coronavirus cases. Then there's the COVID-19 cases. And with all these so-called experts, why, why can't they pinpoint it down? Well, I will, I will, I will grant you one, one thing one there. The, the, call, the, you know? the, po- the positive cases that are being portrayed by the media, this is all coming from the Department of Health. And, and yeah. the mainstream media just trot out, oh, there was 208 cases yesterday, 108 cases in Dublin. It's giving yeah. old people a sense of fear that I think is unnecessary because the positive cases are positive swabs. They may not develop into full-blown COVID. They may be, uh, you know, they may get through uh, the disease quite mildly, like a bad flu or a mild flu. Uh, yeah. And I think these numbers trotting out every day are not only scaring older people, but they're exactly. kind of, they're desensitizing us to the whole thing. How many numbers? Oh, yeah, 200 today, 100 yesterday. 
people are getting yeah, desensitized to it. Yeah, I'm glad you like. Yeah, that you're you're even yourself skeptical of that. I didn't even know that. And I mean, that's news to me. You know that that it's only that it's that it's like incumbent or whatever the word is. Um, it's it's a positive swab. That's what it is. In you. It's not, but it mightn't even manifest itself. So exactly. Thing, but you might, or it could be. It could be. It could be an old head cold. I've had a head cold like three three weeks ago. So like that's a corona. Like this is my point. I was trying to get at. They're all coronaviruses. I know you've probably gone through all this now, and people are sick to death of hearing it. But I don't listen, as as I say. So I, I might be rehashing all ground here. But there's more and more people, Darren, walking around shops without face masks, being unchallenged. So you can tell the public is well, getting listen, tired of it. Another point that I have, you know, like this, this, like the first point I wanted to get to. I can get back to the mask then if, if we have time. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, but the point I was going to get at was these cases, yeah, like, they're unwarranted that they should be seeing these cases. And they never say that, like, they say, oh, there was whatever amount of cases now so far. I don't know, what's the figure? 2,000, 3,000? I don't know. But they never give any, like, recovery rates. And we only ever seem to hear of people who get it that, that are celebrities. I still haven't heard of anybody. The most people I know that got it are celebrities. Now, my spectrum of people I know, like, the more people I know in real life, far out numbers the people I know in the celebrity world. Do you yeah, believe in the mask-wearing regime like now, Daryl? Do you believe in the mask-wearing regime? Um, no, but I'll get back to that. But what I wanted to know was just, first of all, if yourself or Neil, I, I was just home to speak to one, if you could get put feelers out there and get some of these so-called experts to call in and that when eventually, you know, like everyone's like, oh, like, oh, we've got over it, the lockdown. I keep hearing people talking about the lockdown like that as in the past. And we're coming into the, uh, this, the, the winter and people are going to start dying of the flu, which is a coronavirus. And this is my main question was, when people say are dying of the flu, which is a coronavirus, are they going to be classified as coronavirus deaths? Which they, they should be because it is a coronavirus. Or will they be classified as COVID-19 deaths? And if they are, then surely that's bogus. And if they're not, are they not going to have, um, you know, are they not going to be able to differentiate between deaths of flu, which has been around since time began, and we never tr- made people act like this, and governments treat their people like this, or is it going to be... Um, specifically, yeah, that was a COVID nineteen death. So, so we've had forty COVID nineteen well, deaths. Darren, I, I do think I do think we need clarity as a nation on how many people die with underlying underlying illnesses. Okay, well, what I'm saying is, how many people died from COVID nineteen or with COVID nineteen? Yeah, the, there's that out there then as well. Obviously, yeah, you know, I mean, that's if someone could have a heart attack. I know you've been through all this, I guess. Yeah, um, I got I got to leave it there. Do you want a final comment? Yeah, just you were talking about the mask. Yeah, that's the other thing that's going. That's really worrying me at the moment. I have a condition. I can't wear a mask, and I'm getting fierce looks off of these yuppies in town when I go into these shops, and they start, they're starting to give me fierce looks. And as I say, going back to when the debt start coming coming in there now in the next few months, which they will, unfortunately, but it's natural. It's it's winter. All the people die of the flu, and when people start dying, I know for a fact some of these uh, heroes that are wearing the masks, you know, like they're going to start like challenging me verbally and like, maybe even physically. I've seen a story today that there was a guy stopped in uh, Lidl and Lidl threw him out um, and everybody on Twitter of course were like yes these guys can't even uh, operate a trolley sure these people you know they're really like oh good for them you know these people riffraff you know uh, uh, you know, and that leads to another thing. It's a class war, is what's going on. You know, in Dublin, they're, they're not going to allow the bars open next week uh, unless they serve food, like it is here. These yuppies that live around this city, they, that was their way of life all the time. They go in and have a meal and have two pints, and then they go away or have two glasses of Chardonnay. You know, and that's their lifestyle. So nothing has changed for these yuppies, Mick. You know, and all it's right. us working class people who are the ones who are paying for it. And what I'd say to people out there is. 
disobey and do what you want. God put you on this planet to be a free person and don't be listening to these experts or these people who so-called know everything. And we're putting blind faith in scientists. What have we become, man? You know what I mean? All right, Darren, i got to leave it there because i got to take a commercial break. But look, you can go for your pint in Cork next week, hopefully. But you probably have to book a table. Thanks, Darren. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. And it's coming up on five minutes to ten. One quick call before we go for news at ten. Ross, good morning. Morning, Mick. How's it going? Good. I've got about three minutes. Now, you sat your theory test in Limerick when the waiting time is very reasonable. And you didn't yeah. need to drive. So you got your learner permit in February of this year. Then, of course, lockdown happened. Take it from there. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, so basically, February of this year, I went in in exchange for the learner permit. Um, I, I didn't realize there was like, you had to wait the six months after you get the learner permit. I thought you had to wait your six months after you actually uh, finished the the theory test itself, but that wasn't the case. So I went in anyways, and I got the my learner permit here in Cork. Um, that was fine, you know, everything was grand back then, so I was able to just walk in and get it one day. So that was perfectly fine. Um, and then, of course, I was just, you know, waiting a couple of months, and then the lockdown came. So, obviously, I wanted to get it sorted, but I, I didn't need to drive, so it wasn't that big of a deal for me. Um, now, come June... July, I did start doing the lessons when the when the testers or when the driving back at work, yeah. working again. Exactly, exactly. So I did start doing my lessons and I went through them as quick as possible because I was anticipating starting a new job where I would have to drive to. And then that came to be. So it was lucky I did start doing them. Now, I went through those lessons as quick as I could. I mean, I think I did them in about six weeks. I was doing some, some weeks I was doing uh, two lessons, other weeks I was doing four lessons in a single week. And um, basically, I took out my mum's car for a couple of weeks on insurance so I could get some practice drives. She was, I guess, like my sponsor, you could say. Mm-hmm. And after that... Um, you got your test? I was, I was ready to sit the test, yeah. So I, um, I booked it anyways. And I noticed when you, when you log into the website, there's no calendar or anything for you to see when to take your test. You have to either say they can organise it for you or to put on a cancellation list. Mm-hmm. So because I wasn't so sure, I just said let them organize it for me. Um, then a few days later, I said I'd give them a call because um, I wanted to get the test quicker because I was starting my new job. I emailed them proof that I'm starting the new job and everything. I, I didn't get any reply, so I just gave them a call one day on the off chance. Got through to a lovely guy in Mayo, and he, he gave me a test date someone cancelled for in like two weeks from when I called. So it worked out absolutely brilliantly. Um, so I passed it anyways. I'm, I'm good to go, but well now done. I'm waiting to get... Thank you, thank you. Now I'm waiting to get uh, the actual driving uh, license itself, which is presented to be the uh, the biggest issue of all. Um, I did book it about a month ago, my appointment at NDLS, just in case I did pass my test. And my driving instructor told me that the waiting time there can actually be longer than, than getting the test. It's itself. five or six it's weeks. It's ridiculous. Exactly. It's ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. So I booked it anyways. The only date I could get, and keep in mind this was in... I think early August I booked this. The only date I could see for the, the one in Cork City Centre was for the 25th of September. That's the one we got as well, but we had to drive to Castle Bar to get it a bit quicker. Oh, really? Okay, yeah. Uh, so I got that one anyway. I took it. Um, and that's what I'm waiting for now in a couple of weeks to go to. And you'll get so that. In I the meantime, can you drive around on your permit uh, because you've, you, you have the receipt that you've passed your test? Uh, yeah, I was told so by the guards. I went and asked with uh, three different ones individually, and uh, they said that's fine. Once I can prove that I passed the test, it's no problem at all. 
Um, so what I have, I'm going to have in the car with me my learner progress, obviously, and uh, my certificate of competency. So I passed the test, the email that I passed the test, and of course my my driving lesson logbook. Um, and exactly. Proof so that so I have it all worked out for you, uh, Ross. I've got to leave it there, I'm afraid. But well done. It's yeah. all worked out. But once again, yeah. we're we're proving there's huge backlogs in the system. Thank you very yeah. much. We have news exactly. at ten on the way on the Neil Prendeville show. The Neil Prendeville show with Tesco. Save time and shop online. Simply log on to Tesco.ie. And you can contact the program on 1850 104 106 uh, by phone, by text, it's 0868 106 and by email, it is neil at redfm.ie. Now, staying on the subject of uh, driving and driving tests, we've had lots of calls and comments on it. A lot of people wondering why there is such a backlog. And uh, if uh, Darren Mullane is right, then there will be absolutely nothing happening next year from the driving instructor perspective. Uh, so there's a lot of confusion. There's a lot of different elements you have to go and contact and get between if you want to uh, secure a driving license. And of course, uh, driving licenses that expired during COVID-19 during the six months of the restrictions, I hate saying lockdown, uh, were given four months extra. And uh, to discuss uh, that, we will talk later on to someone who was really caught in that sort of predicament. But right now, um, we're going to talk on mandatory vaccines to Chris on line one. Morning, Chris. Hey Mick, how's it going? Good. Now you want to discuss if there's a mandatory vaccine coming, and we need to be getting to grips with it right now and talk talk about it right now. A well, lot of people, yeah. are, a lot of people are hoping for a vaccine. A lot of people are saying, "I'm never ever going to take one because that's what this whole thing is about: control and vaccination and tracking." Yeah. Well, I'm I'm not sure. Um, I'm not sure is that the case, but uh, I I don't know. I asked your. Um, one of your uh, staff there to look at uh, to, to get you to look at uh, to get you to look at that uh, pandemic series last night. I, I don't know. Did you watch it? Well, I, I I got to read about it. Didn't have time to look at it. Uh, so yeah. tell us about it. This this is a very well crafted documentary that was about twenty six minutes long. Uh, it was put up on social media, and social media giant after social media giant were clamouring to take it down. It was being reposted and reposted. So tell us about it. And and since then, another one was released, and uh, I haven't watched the the twenty six minute one. I just watched the second one, which is which which what I heard is just a longer version of the first one. Um, yeah, they ju- it just seems to be to me like I'd like I'd like to just I'd like to just get to get all your listeners to 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 take a bit of time out and watch it tonight, and maybe discuss it tomorrow on the radio. You know, okay. Um, I don't know. I don't know what to make of it. To be honest with you, I I think it's true, but I I really don't know. You know. Well, there's and one I, one came out on the fourth of May, and the longer yeah. one came out on the eighteenth of August, and both yeah. promote apparently falsehoods and misinformation about the COVID-19 pandemic. They're called Plandemics. They were produced by Mickey Willis's California-based production company, Elevate. And he's produced other conspiracist videos in the past. Uh, the video features Jody Miskovitz, a discredited former medical researcher. Uh, and I, I hasten to add, discredited is, is what's really important here because I think in the pandemic thing, uh, this woman, Judy, was was put up there as one of the foremost experts in the world. But she's described as an anti-vaccine activist, which she denies. But this is all part of the Bill Gates wants, wants to take over the planet regime, isn't it? Well, yeah. And and did you notice that this this uh, recently uh, some doctor came out and, and he, has, he had something to say about uh, COVID-19 and since, uh, the HSE were very fast to distance themselves from him, you know. Um... 
Uh, I, I just, I don't know. I, 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 when I looked at it, I didn't know what to think. I was hoping it wasn't true. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I think it is true, you know. I, do, I don't know. And I'd like people to look at it and maybe to discuss it on the air then tomorrow, you know, once, once people have looked at it, because not a lot of people have seen it. Yeah, uh, I, it, I, I saw about 10 minutes of it when it came out and to be fair I said you know something this doesn't ring true and maybe that's just me and everyone's going to have their own personal opinion uh, as to whether it's false information or whether it's yeah. good accurate information yeah um, well, like I, I think you really need to watch it because he, he, in, in the second one they talk a lot about Bill Gates and how he's been trialling vaccines on Indian children uh, and that he they're, they're claiming that he that he's after killing loads of Indian children uh, and that it's all been covered up, you know. And I, I don't know, is it true? And I, to be honest with you, I haven't done the research. I'm not, I'm not up on computers enough to, to do the proper research and to see is it, to see is it actually true, you know. Um, well, like, why, look, why, why would a guy who fought to save over a quarter of a million lives and has successfully done so in, in eradicating polio in the Horn of Africa want to test and He's not Dr. Mengele, for God's sake. No, but um, no, but there there is a financial aspect uh, for, for, from his side. Of he doesn't things. need the money. No, I know that he doesn't need to need the money. But he, you know, look, I, I think I think that he I think that he is certainly out for a lot of money. I, I think you know I think if you, if you watched the second uh, series on it, and I, I don't know, I'm making you do a lot of homework, Mick. You know, but but uh, should I get that you know, from Brand anyway? <laughs> But look, I don't know. Like, I, I, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I don't think this. I don't think that video is a conspiracy theory video. The 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 second one, you know, uh, and and like there's been there's been a lot of there's been a lot of people discredited over things in in the past that that wouldn't warrant it either. Would you agree? Um, yeah. Well, I'm just wondering how how can people see the full version now? There are truncated versions available on TikTok, I So believe. I'll tell, I'll, what they do is go, put into Google plandemicseries.com. That's, pa- that's not pandemic now, it's plandemic. P-L-A-N. Yeah, and put, put it into, into Google and, and find, find that website, plandemicseries.com, and look at Plandemic 2 Indoctrination. And then, do you know, like, do, yeah, I, I don't know. If, if I hope it's not true, you know. If it's if it's not true, then everything is good, like you know. But like, there's there's a lot of people out there at the moment are are acting like conspiracy theorists. Personally, I, I'm not I'm not against masks or any of these things. I don't agree with them, but I'll wear them, you know. And I'll certainly go along and do do the things I have to do to keep people safe and all that, you know. But um, yeah, the most radical claims coming out of all of this is is that Bill Gates wants to chip everybody. And, and get everybody to be subservient and obedient, okay? And as long as you do your mandatory uh, COVID injections, which will be a, be a boost to the pharma industry, uh, then the chip allows you to walk into a shop and allows you to do everything. But if you don't play ball, and I'm, I'm just saying this is a theory now, if you don't play yeah. ball, the powers that be will switch off the chip and then a red light goes on stopping you from going into a shop, stopping you from going into a bar, stopping you from buying food until you become uh, an orderly and subservient human being again. And, yeah. and, and that's where all this is going. That there's a there's a world order that wants to chip everybody, make us all subservient and obedient. And that's kind of a bit far fetched for me. Yeah. Well, um, I, you know, I, 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 we've had to we've had to do a lot of mandatory things uh, that if I told you a year ago we'd have to do, you you wouldn't have believed me. And that's true. You, but, but that's because that, but that's because we are verifiably in the middle of a global pandemic. 
Yeah, I know, but uh, and I agree. And like, look, when when the lockdown came, I didn't, I did, I did as I was told. I didn't leave home. You know, I I didn't even go out on the road. Um, but but, but I, you, I, you know what our I biggest problem has been here over, over the last two or three months? That it was that that the, you know that that would have happened. You know, and what I'm afraid is that it, it mightn't even be uh, as, as 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 aggressive as, as what you were saying, but it might be a case that you won't be able to get a job in a pharmaceutical plant, or you won't be able to get a job. You'll be able to go into your workplace unless you have one, you know. But mm-hmm. well, I, I think the biggest problem over the past few months, and and I do give credit in advance. I hope I, I hope it's warranted to the government for what they're about to release today. Uh, there's an old um, analogy, I suppose. If if you are the coxswain of a rowing boat that's in a race, right? Uh, everybody who's rowing in the race is facing backwards towards the target, and you're steering the boat at the back, and you can see the target. Okay, so you're getting them all to pull, 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 right? And so how do you get them to win the race? Well, you have to give them timely updates on how they're doing compared to their competitors because they could be a little bit behind. You have to tell them how far they're through the race. You have to tell them how far it is to the finish line and how much extra effort they have to put in. And then they feel well communicated with, they feel part of a team, and you have a chance of winning the race. That didn't happen in Ireland over the last few months. We've had communications that were, you know, haphazard. They weren't coherent. Let's put it that way. And mixed messages came out uh, between ministers and their departments, between the Department of Health and Actuality. Uh, I mean, you had Stephen Donnelly saying one thing, uh, the Tonish is saying another thing, Department of Health saying a third thing. And all of this has to stop. And I believe it will stop today around midday or uh, at half 11, I think, they're releasing. And we've been, it's been su- successfully leaked, I suppose, to the press, the elements of plans one, two, three, four, and five. And hopefully this will bring a new era of coherent transmission and communication from the powers that be to the people. And hopefully that will alleviate and eventually eradicate the virus here in this country. But to get back to your point, you're asking people to watch the Plandemic series. You can Google it, even though Google and Facebook, I think, have effectively blocked it. You may be able to pick it up tonight. We will discuss it tomorrow if there's public interest. Is that fair enough? If there's not, we won't. Yeah. yeah, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, that's perfect. Yeah, that's perfect. I just, I just ask everyone just to watch it and just to let me know what they think. I'm not, I'm not asking people to to, to say that whether it's true. Or they can, they can have their own opinion on it. You know, and, and like another thing is, is why, why is Leo coming out this morning talking about vaccines? Like there, uh, there isn't even a vaccine. Um, you know, and the, the tarnish to leave Radker. Why is even? Well, here's here's, here's a case in point. Let me pick up the uh, Irish Examiner or the Examiner yeah. this morning, right? Uh, here's the headline: <clears throat> Vaccine hope on the horizon claims Tonishta. The next headline: That's not happening. Say Department of Health sources. Do you see what I mean about mixed communications? <laughs> yeah, you see, uh, I don't know. Like it's just we're just getting bombarded with information so much so that we don't know what to do with it. You know. Yeah, that's almost like a Trumpism. Like, here's Veracker saying, a lot of progress is being made in terms of the vaccine. And I think there's growing confidence that in the first half of the new year, we'll be in a position to vaccinate older people, those most at risk, and healthcare workers. The CEO of Pfizer uh, wouldn't be saying this. It's completely yeah. off the wall, but there you go. It, it, could, it could take 10 years to get a vaccine. And, and you know, look, the other, the, other, the other side of it is if... Uh, there, 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 there's people saying on, on certain radio stations that the, the virus is mutating as it's moving around the world. If that's the case, then there is no vaccine that will ever work. 
You know, mm-hmm. and, here, so, and here's from Stephen Donnelly's department. Here's another department source saying about Mr. Radcliffe. That's not what's happening. We don't know when we'll have a vaccine. We're only setting up a committee now to decide on how we'd roll out a vaccine if we had one. Hopefully he knows something we don't, but we're launching a plan to take us to next April. Unless he knows something we don't know, maybe he'll hook us up with the info. It's fast. Yeah. yeah, like, you know, look, winding back there a couple of weeks ago on the radio as well, people were hysterical, do you know? panicking uh, and and there are certain people out there would if a vaccine came they would absolutely take it even if they didn't know whether it was safe or not you know and and the reality is and it is true uh, and it's it's on this pandemic series is uh, once you take a vaccine you're not covered for anything you're you're signing any liability away from 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 the comp- any company that makes a vaccine you know uh, Look for for anybody who anybody I, I, who, who believes vaccines, this. Vaccines, by the way, I'm not a, I'm not against vaccines. You know, I've had vaccines. Uh, I'm not trying to tell people not to take vaccines. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying if a vaccine came out and it becomes mandatory, then I think people should have freedom of choice. You know. Yeah. Well, we've all had vaccines for you know for things that are yeah essentially more powerful and more potent than than COVID nineteen travel vaccines for cholera and polio and all that kind of thing. Um, but look. Anyone who thinks there's a conspiracy theory going on needs to look at Dublin now as a microcosm of what's happening in other countries, uh, as what's happened in New York, it happened in Milan, it happened in Bergamo, uh, in Italy, all right? And the truth is the situation in Dublin is now becoming very worrying because no matter how you look at it, conspiracy theory or not, a 10 or 20 uh, 20-fold increase in the incidence of the virus in the space of just two or three weeks, that's seriously worrying. And it's not yet resulted, let's, let's say. Now, there is the first signs of it today of increased hospital admittance. But it's not yet resulted in a huge demand for hospital or ICU beds. But the truth is, it's probably going to head that way. And that's mm. why I think Dublin is going to be in level three when they release plans one to five today. Maybe so, yeah, maybe so. All right. And an- another thing, another thing, just before I go to, I just want to say it's an awful shame that the yellow vests are acting the way they are. Have, have you heard about the yellow vests? group in Dublin? Well, there's, there's been a lot you know, we, we mentioned yesterday how silly a situation it is that a partner cannot attend a birth, except for maybe 30 seconds to a minute cannot accompany uh, their partner during the trauma of a miscarriage yet people mm. can gather uh, in yellow vests under the guise of a peaceful protest, which it is a peaceful protest but well, absolutely break any, remain, all the COVID-19 regulations. They remain peaceful, you know, but they, 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 I, I just, I'm just asking them to, to, to remain peaceful if they are going to go, you know, and to not to not to not to become violent. Like I saw a video, one guy was coked off his face up there. You know, so. Oh, you don't and, know and that. Yeah. You can't tell that. You can think it, but you can't. You can't say with. with okay, an sorry. Fact. He looked like he was. <laughs> he looked like he was on some marching yeah. powder. All right, Chris. Yeah. Thanks a million. Yeah. All right. Cheers, mate. Thanks Take very care. much. Bye bye. Now, bye. by text, me and a buddy went into a shop yesterday, and he forgot his mask. But as soon as we walked in, the young fellow behind the counter said, "Your masks," out loud while his was down around his chin. Why is he exempt? Uh, my friend had to purchase one then off them. Uh, yeah, I went to uh, do some business in Carrigaline and forgot my mask. And right, oh God, I'm going to have to come back home and get the mask. And my wife had the great idea. She, there's a, a kind of a pound shop place on the main street. Just go and stand outside the door or ask somebody going in or coming out, uh, could they get you a mask and pay for it? And I got two masks for a euro. Uh, so problem solved. Uh, but I take your point. Uh, you, one of you walked in without a mask and the young fellow behind the counter said, your masks, you had to buy one. 
while his mask was down around his chin. Uh, why is he exempt? Now, he might be exempt because he's got some perspex between you and you and he. But I take your point. His mask was down around his chin. And this is a text that's bound to get people going. Mick, would it be possible to not allow women into wet pubs when they open next week as they take up too much space and they're a distraction for proper drinkers? Let them go to gastro pubs. I leave it with you. You can call on 1850104106 or text on 0868104106 or you can email neil at redfm.ie. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now, 1850104106. Red FM. At almost 25 past 10, we're going to deal with a very sensitive area now. People are very polarised on this. Uh, they're either one side or the other and very vociferous about it. Protests at schools against children wearing masks. Now, we got a huge response to this text when we got sent it in yesterday morning and I read it out. Uh, on one side, we were accused of sensationalising uh, the fact that uh, there should be protests when masks for everybody's safety. On the other side, uh, a groundswell of opinion from parents to saying they're very worried for their children having to wear masks for seven or eight hours a day. Here's the text. Are there any parents out there willing to protest at schools about the abuse of our kids being made to wear masks six and a half hours a day, including break time? My daughter has had a nasty sore throat since she returned and is contemplating leaving school as it's causing her ill health and distress. Uh, if it's unsafe, why the hell do they open? We're making healthy people sick to keep sick people healthy. What a joke, says a concerned mum. And that was a text we read out yesterday morning to huge response. Good morning, Claire. Hi, hello. What do you feel? Masks in schools or not at all? Um, no, I don't think they should be in schools. Because, well, you know, these kids, they, people are saying kids should wear masks to protect other kids, but the, thing, the, re, the reality is they can't breathe. They're tired. They have skin conditions. It's just a bad idea. It's, I don't it, know who's enforcing. I don't really know who's enforcing the masks in school. I don't know if it's the schools or the government. I don't really know. I'm not sure about that. Yeah, from a personal perspective, I find the masks inhibiting. Uh, I find I can't leave them on for very long. Yeah. It's fine yeah. while you're in doing a shop if you're there 15, 20 yeah. minutes, half an hour, whatever, for the weekly shop. Um, yeah. But for six and a half hours, uh, and I have a daughter who wears one all day long on the front okay. line. So, what age is she in secondary school? Oh, she's yeah? working in a hospital. Uh, uh, yeah. So they have to wear one all day long, and it is yeah. it's one of the hardest things to do, um, yeah. I believe. But uh, you're saying parents and students are so brainwashed and told lies every day oh, by teachers, the that, media? Well, I don't know about teachers and stuff. I'm not sure about that. But the teachers have to go along with it. Yeah, they've got to conform, yeah. They've got to conform. You know, they're feeling it too. They're feeling it too. And, and, it's, and it's probably nearly worse for a teacher than a student because the teacher is talking more. And the more you talk, like, the worse it gets. Like, if you're talking more, obviously it's going to get worse. I know if I wear a mask and straight away I put it on my face, even if I open my mouth to say one word, straight away your face is hot. Yeah, because the airflow just isn't there. It's, it's yeah. restricting. But it's also, of course, protecting you from the droplets, from the sneezes, from the coughing of other people. It does. Yeah, well, that's what people say. But I genuinely think the masks don't work. I, I think, you know, for from a... If you're a healthy person, you know, some of these kids like are, you can't be any healthier as, as a teenager. I know there are some children that have really bad respiratory problems. They might have CF, they might have, you know, they might have asthma. But at, at a young age, the majority of kids are, are in good health. 
And I think, like, if you're in good health, you don't need it. You know, and... But, but, I, but I if, you're, if you're in good health, you, be, you could be carrying COVID-19 and be asymptomatic. You could, yeah, but most likely, if you're, if you're in good health, you won't really... Look, I know people will disagree with me on that, because, like... Okay, I think Kaylee will probably disagree with you. Good morning, Kaylee. <laughs> good morning. Um, yeah, well, look, in my opinion, I do think that people who are healthy, that everyone should be wearing a mask because, as you said, they could be asymptomatic in itself. But also, if you're healthy then and maybe have parents asymptomatic, then you're not passing it on to somebody who, especially the school women. In my own case, my grandmother lives with us. Mm-hmm. So if, some, if something happens where it gets passed on to my sister, she could pass it on to my grandmother, who is very at high risk of contracting and getting very sick. But they're saying now that HSE are actually saying that um, siblings are not, they're not close contacts. That's what they're actually, they said that. No, I think what she's saying, if, if she picks something up in school for not wearing a mask, then it could be easily transmitted to an older generation. Yeah, yeah that's but, possible too, yeah, but... And I, I don't well, want to. There's no, the no, there's no, there's no saying. Say if a student, like if a student, say for example, is in a school and it goes into an isolation room. There's no saying that that student picked it up from another student. That student could have picked it up anywhere. It may not have. There's no proof to where the student picked it up. He could have picked it I up am, anywhere. I do understand that, but at the same time, if you're going to have thirty students in a classroom for six and a half hours a day and mixing along with teachers and other people in the school, then there is what, what, that much more of a what, risk of passing it on. Some of those students are exhausted from wearing those masks. They can't even breathe. Their skin is bad. And some of those students have, like, respiratory problems. They have asthma. Of course. And to put and like, that people to like that who they are the exemption. Cover a child's mouth and they have something... An asthma sufferer has an exemption, surely, yes? That is an Sorry? exemption, according to the Citizens Information website, that people who are physically ill or have mental distress wearing a mask or under a certain age, then they are exempt from wearing one as far as I could see from the website. They well, say that, but they won't exempt them. They say that, but they're not doing it. But not then again, people school, you know, kids got sent home for years for even when I was in secondary school for having bad hair, not bad hair, because tra- untraditional you know haircuts for having um, dyed hair, for having piercings and they got sent home for disobeying school rules. It is it is more or less the same thing. So what you're saying, Kaylee, is, is if, if, you, if you want to exercise your right not to wear a mask, then the schools and the shops and every, every other service provider can exercise their right to deny you service. That is my point, yes, because uh, I do think that that's something that people kind of forget is that... That's fair enough in an adult world, but we're talking about children here, really. Yeah, no, I understand that. Um, my point was with that, I probably said it too harshly, was that for years, when I was in school, I, people were sent home if they had bad, not bad, again, untraditional haircuts for having piercings for having things until they got home and got it sorted. So that it's wasn't not, okay. It's not as if I'm not. Yeah, I completely agree. It's not okay. Education should come first in a way. But like these, these things have been going on for years for different things, for the haircuts, for the hair dye, for piercings, etc. So it's not as but if you, that it's a new. It's not as if it's a new it thing. It's not as if you know kids getting sent home wasn't happening anyway in some cases it was these kids are saying even these kids are even saying oh like if you if you went to that one they're saying oh I'm protecting someone else and I'm thinking you need sometimes we all need to protect ourselves now I don't wear a mask you know but and the reason I don't wear one is to protect myself 
I need to protect myself because if I wear one, then I'm actually denying myself the right to protect myself. In what way? Yeah. Because if I wear a mask, I'm, I'm actually saying to myself, it's okay to make myself sick. I don't understand how you'd make yourself sick, though. No, you could, because a mask is going to make you sick because it suppresses your immune system. Now, I'm a healthy person out there. I eat a lot of, you know, like garlic and cider vinegar and I load the foods like that. And I think a lot of people are saying, uh, like, wear a mask, you know, but what they really should do is take care of their diet, you know, and look after their bodies like that. You can do both. But at the same time, yeah, I know you can do both, but I think when you force somebody to put something on your face, it's a, it's like a going against our human rights. It's abuse. And if you're, if, if you have a child anywhere, like an adult, a child, anyone that's forced to do something, to put something on their body against their will, then that is abuse. But well, you could also I look at it as, as children being taught that they must sacrifice for the greater good. Yeah, and I, yeah. It's, it's a small personal imposition to wear a piece of cloth on your face and certainly a lot better than having to wear a ventilator for two weeks. Well, you see, that's the thing. If they, do, if they keep on wearing a mask, they will end up wearing, having a ventilator because they're, they will be so sick. That, that's the thing. When so, people, are, people don't realise when, when us as adults and all of us take those masks off, we are going to be up. So if you, if you don't wear a mask, you might get COVID-19 and need a ventilator. And if you do wear a mask, you might get sick and need a ventilator. Well, you see, the thing is, I think if you wear a mask, the, the how will I say, the effects of wearing long-term masks is a far more serious than getting the COVID. Like, well, not, most of the people, most people that wearing a mask, most of the people that are dying, forever, it's going to be for the next year or so, maybe. Sorry? Like, more than likely, it's not going to be a full, like, I, I'm just trying to understand, because it's only, for, at the moment, it's only going to be for as long as COVID-19 is about, really. You're not yeah, going to be wearing it. What they're saying is basically out there is we wear the max until the 5th of October, so the virus is gone then, is it? No, it's April so now. It's going to be April now, according to the five-point so plan. It's gone. How can you tell when the virus is going to be gone? You can't. You can't say we'll wear a mask until. You can't say it until. There's no until. It could be forever. You can't say a virus is going to be gone in a week. There's no time limit. So what I'm trying to say is if people, if people are wearing masks, be their kids or whoever... When is the timeline? But when is the stopping point? Do they wear them forever? And when people are going to... I don't think people realise when they're taking masks, when they take the masks off at the end of the day or at the end of the month, how... Like when you breathe out and breathe out and breathe in, you bring the same thing in and out and in and out all day. Normally when you breathe out, that same air does not come back into your body. Because you're not exhaling it far enough, is that right? Well, when you, when you're when you're sitting in your house or when you're outdoors anywhere and you're breathing out, that same air is gone into the atmosphere. You don't breathe it back in. So when you have a mask on, it's coming in and out and in and out all day. You're breathing it all the same bad air, and people are people are getting skin infections, sore throats, and people think if they have a sore throat now, it's because they have a virus. But they're not. It's not. It's because of inhaling all the all that stuff back in and out and in and out all day. I've been wearing a mask since probably the beginning, really, since around March, and I haven't been sick once. Well, so I don't not everybody will be affected, maybe. I don't know. It's like it's like if you have smokers. Like there is every, every smoker is going to die of lung disease. It's the same thing. You know, you have 10 smokers, maybe six will get lung disease, maybe the other four will escape. 
Guys, can I put aside a rhetorical question to you? And, and you know, the government is adamant about and, and really adhering to the policy that it's most yeah. important for the schools to remain open. That allows children to continue their edu- education. It helps with yeah. their mental health and well-being. And it allows a section of, of, of a huge swathe of the Irish population to return to work. Uh, so creches and schools are paramount in this new plan that's about to be released. But I wonder, mm. and because of their, uh, you know, adherence to this doctrine that the schools are most important, I wonder how much do the schools around the country contribute to what is increasing cases now of COVID-19 around the place? Because one third of the cases confirmed in Dublin yesterday were associated yeah. with outbreaks or were close contacts of a confirmed case. I wonder are the schools contributing now to Dublin's woes? I I think at the moment, though, it's like if even the last few months, it's very much kind of a blame game that people are trying to figure out who, like, whether it's like, you know, a nightclub in Dublin or if it's like a gathering in Kinsale, everyone is just trying to find someone to point the finger at. Like, you know, it's like I think that, you know, that everything... But I agree with you there. That is what's it's happening. Every, exactly. So everything at the moment is just trying to find someone to blame for an outbreak when you know, at the end of the day, it shouldn't really be the schools that are blamed. If, In my opinion, they could have waited a while to open the schools. But at the end of the day, it's important for kids' mental health and for their education and every, and for parents, especially mothers, who have been most impacted of not being able to go back to work as they're maybe the singular childminder. Mm-hmm. So there's like a lot of di- underlying and different factors. But I think kind of people playing the blame game of trying to find a cluster, trying to find someone to blame is just kind of cause it is causing a bit of a divide at the moment in my opinion. Well they will do that even in a school like if you're seeing like or any building or in a job if you're seeing to just take a break and take the mask down from your face and say oh you did it. You know people were going to do that. Hmm. They'll do it and no. like you but and again you said yeah. a while ago, well like um, you know, wait for the kids, you know, there's no waiting time, you know, even even if you waited for six months for the kids to go back to school a year, three months, it it's going to be the same. There's no time limit on things like that. I think what we need is proper definition as to the yeah, effectiveness yeah. or or the danger or non danger that's evident in mask wearing for a prolonged period of time. Yeah, uh, whatever about going right. into shops or having to run into the petrol yeah. station or whatever, to be sitting down as a child for six, seven, eight hours a day, having it to wear them and having to wear them while you're physically exerting yourself in PE. Uh, yeah. I think we need clearer yeah. definition on this. My sister yeah. actually, she's in second year, and she actually she, because of her like just so she doesn't um, for that. I suppose it's more for her like a skin condition, just to make sure that she doesn't kind of maybe break out or anything like that. She just wears a visor. Just um, yeah. so I'm just wondering. I don't you know, think if they're allowed to wear the mints and some No, pr- uh, proven apparently to be not as effective uh, at what the government wants us to better achieve as masks. Though. Isn't that well, just is better it? than nothing, really? Yeah, but they're not allowed to wear the visors in school. I think the kids maybe depends on the schools now, but I don't know. That's not the yeah, school rule. Can visor. I just say? Does anyone know if it's the school? Is is the are these the government rules like about the masks with the kids in school? Yeah, I think they're the government has. I think mandatory from the start of August. Well, when they started yes. for mask wearing. <coughs> Excuse me. Okay, let's and get definition of that. I'm unsure on that myself. Let's find out. Is it a government diktat that all children of certain age or whatever? have to wear masks. I think younger children may be exempt. Or is it, a, is, is it yeah, under 13? Or is it a, an individual school management board yeah, Because I decision? didn't know, you see. Yeah. I don't know that. 
All right, girls, you've got opposing views, but thanks for putting them across on okay. the Neil Prendeville show. Uh, and we'll okay. move on. Thank you, Claire O'Neill, okay. and thank right. you to Kayleigh okay. as well. Now, on line five, we've got Noel. Good morning. Thanks for holding, Noel. Oh, hi, how are you? Good. No, you're a healthcare worker. I am. So, I am. Do, you, do you agree with Claire or do you agree with Kayleigh? I agree with Claire, to be honest with you, because uh, obviously since the start of this, um, we've obviously, been, you know, we've been wearing masks throughout. And I have been suffering a lot, like with my throat, and I have been suffering a lot with sinus infections. Um, constant irritation I've had to add antihistamines. Um, you know, constantly doing nasal washes in my nose when I come home from work. You know, I'm I'm wheezing like as if I've you know I've allergies to cats. I'm wheezing like I've been around cats. It's disgusting. Like now, obviously, I'm I'm well aware of the fact that I will not go into a house without one, and you know it's so important for you know in my job, obviously, we're looking after the elderly. But I'm still saying, you know, they are they're not they're not healthy like at all. You know. Uh, okay, I mean? so you you look after the elderly, and and you would religiously yeah. wear a mask like that, uh, but you're oh, not you're not like a frontline yeah, worker who's fine. you're not like a frontline worker then who's wearing one like eight hours a day. I mean, I would, I would be wearing it six to eight hours six a day. Six to eight, yeah. okay. And, and yeah. to your health, you feel it hasn't been beneficial? No, not at all. No, no. And I can tell you here, I know I have a 10-year-old son, and if I thought in the morning that he had to go into school wearing a mask, I would take him straight out of the school, straight away. I wouldn't allow him. No way. Do you think this is what's going to happen? There'll be a, a, a growing percentage of parents who are keeping their children at home? Um, do you know what? From talking to people, people... People are getting very anxious now again at the moment. Like, I have a friend, like, literally now she has four kids in different schools. Um, and she rang me last week. One of them came home, the biggest one came home. But I'm wearing a mask. Like, I mean, if we're wearing masks, then we shouldn't be obviously picking up infections or their thing. But yet she came home with a runny nose and a throat. Two days later, her son had it, which was in a different school. And then her younger child had it. You know what I mean? So if these are, pre- like, meant to, you know, prevent children from getting it, then they're not. And my son was the same last week in school, came home with a runny nose on Tuesday. I kept him out on Wednesday because obviously you're worried, even though Ronnie knows isn't part of it. But his throat was tickling as well, but he was fine the next day again. So these things are going to go around whether or not they're wearing a mask or not. I, I imagine par- parents of children who are wearing masks, Noel, must be looking for every oh. single scintilla of, of an iota of an idea that something's wrong. They must be seriously examining their children, watching them incessantly. Are they showing any you symptoms, any signs? Own dirt, like you're, you are, it's true, a clear thing. You're breathing your own dirt in all day long. Apparently smell, apparently smell and taste are one of the first indicators of an incubating virus. I don't know anybody else that had it, but I do have a family member in Waterford and he's three weeks, three weeks with it now and he's 36 years of age. Um, and to be honest with you, that's what he did complain. He said he had a slight tickle in the throat, but his taste and smell went and he had aches and pains and then um, excessive tiredness. Mm-hmm. But te- te- teaching your children to appreciate that, you know? that things should taste the same and smell the same Maybe, you know, yeah. a good indicator 100%. for you that, uh-oh, something's wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, that temperature, because also, I mean, temperature is the main thing as well. And a cough that comes out of nowhere, do you know, that kind of way. Yeah. I mean, there's obviously, you know, I mean, the government, like, this is this has been going on so long. And they're telling me, with all our top doctors and all our top scientists, they still haven't come up with anything. It's absolutely ridiculous that they can go for the test. Do you know, I just don't agree with the whole thing. I just think there's something more behind this and I have done from the start. You know, it's just, like, they're changing rules morning, noon and night. I just... They don't know whether they're after elbows. Yeah, well, as I've said, we haven't enjoyed we haven't enjoyed cohesive and coherent communication. Uh, we need Nothing that transmission. If if we're to receive, it's like a radio station. We transmit, you receive. If if, if the government exactly. are to transmit these these new uh, five point uh, the five point series of their plan that's coming out in the next couple of hours, they need to do it with certain clarity uh, to get everybody 100%. back on side. Like like I said, the analogy of the guys rowing the boat. Everybody must feel yeah. they're in it together. For once, and I, mean, I hope I that do, starts happening from today. 
I do believe that social distance is a big thing as well. You know, just keep your back because apparently that's how Gary got it. Like he was, he was working on pharmaceutical um, company and the uncle that he was working with, they were working on a machine and there was six of them all together that night in and off, basically working around this young fella that got it. He was 24. And um, Gary was the only one that picked it up. Now, thank God, in his community, obviously, you know, his nan, his dad, everyone was tested. And, like, obviously, his wife and two young kids, none of them got it. But he kept his distance from them when he got home and he realised there was something wrong, you know, before it kind of kicked in. And, um, no, thank God, touch wood, nobody else, everybody else. Nobody else got it. Well, that's good. Yeah, but it was just, they hated me. I just said to him, like, if he literally had kept his distance, he probably wouldn't have picked it up or it was just as simple as he bred in as the fellow that was standing next to him bred out. Yeah, so social you know, distancing social still, you know, it's, 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 a well, it's a well-worn yeah. cliche now and people are tired of hearing it. They're tired of new normal. They're tired of social distancing. Oh, sick of it, honestly, but, because we're social creatures and I can understand why people are sick of it, you know. I mean, it's not healthy for children either, you know. At the start of this, like, I kept my son away from everybody like for 14 weeks and to put him back into the community and watch him, you know, watch his behaviour for the first couple of weeks, you know, it was just, I was saying, what am I actually doing? It's absolutely ridiculous, you know, I mean, they really need to get, they need to get their facts, they need to get information, they need to give us, you know, to us good and straight, like, we'll stop with all these lies, and these, you know, it, it's just, every part of it is just, you know, I, I just don't get it, I just don't understand it. All right, I wouldn't, I wouldn't call them lies, maybe mixed messages. Thanks a million, Noel. Oh, okay, thanks a million. Thanks, thanks bye-bye. Let's take one more call on the subject. Lisa, good morning. Morning. Now, you strongly you? agree, your kids are stressed and miserable from the masking. Absolutely, 100%. And um, I would like to just follow on with that lady was saying there about um, um, I've got two in secondary wearing masks and I've got two in primary not wearing masks. Now, I would just like to point out that we, we managed to get through week one and we have had each child with a runny nose, a sore throat, and I suppose the cough from a nasal drip. Now, I would like to point out that we had exactly the same symptoms this time last year, and there was no COVID-19. My children are not sick. They don't have temperatures. They just got, you know yourself, they're coming out of the summer, and we're going into the winter, damp evenings, cooler temperatures. The kids are in uniforms then stripping off in the afternoon because it's roasting back into their shorts and t-shirts and it's going to cause the usual um, you know general yes exactly 100% so uh, also week one we have the vomiting bug or virus as you like to call it that's back rampant through the schools I don't see where the masks are protecting them. If it protects from COVID-19, which is supposed to be a deadly virus, why is it not protecting from the usual uh, vomiting bug virus and what other uh, runny nose viruses and whatever else goes? So we've got kids in school miserable. They are, their children aren't stupid. They know, they understand social distancing, washing their hands and protecting themselves. But we've got kids masked up from half past eight in the morning until they get off the school grounds at, say, 20 past four. They're not allowed to remove their masks all day, not even to... And I, I, I'm pretty sure the kids are poking at the masks in school to try and get air into their, their lungs. Now, I've got masks here in front of me. I've got different selections of masks. I've got the three-layer fabric mask, which says, not certified for medical use. They can't breathe in those masks at all. So I had to go to certain particular shops to get uh, um, the finest, thinnest mask that I can possibly get so that they have some little bit of comfort in school. So it's 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 kind of a catch-22. You want them to be able to breathe but not take in any substances that might be carrying the virus. So it's... Uh, and now, where's the balance? Out, 
there, there is no balance and like uh, and it's uh, I, I'm people are waiting to attack waiting to abuse people online that have an opinion right we have Luke O'Neill he stated on uh, another show radio station I don't know if I'd mention it saying that um, the evidence is there uh, um, stating it's compelling and that the masks protect but one second later he turns around and he says um, they say that tiny bits of the virus gets out to the mask so the masks aren't perfect sadly it will infect someone else causing a mild infection but they will build immunity yes. now I mean if that's not talking out of both sides of your mouth then what in the name of God is I mean right citizens advice bureau uh, um, advice right face coverings or barrier masks are not PPE they are not intended to protect the wearer against viral infections instead they may prevent the spread of COVID-19 to others what a load of tripe I mean what a load of tripe I mean we've got our kids they are they are being badly affected months and months out of school they get back into school and they are mask muzzled some of them can't hear their teachers because some of the teachers are freaked out and they're trying to talk to the children from a distance and in large classrooms, I like to point out, and some of the kids at the back of the class can't hear. And you've got some kids that are quiet and they're not able to speak out. I mean, it, I don't understand. They're in their pods, they're in their groups in school, in their base classes. Why that they can't? Uh, take off the mask during the class, let to open the windows, let the fresh air in, and they know then who's in what group and they can keep some kind of control. Yes, I know we've got large schools, but the kids are coming out of school. We've got a, a local green area and there could be 30 or 40 of them in groups sitting on top of each other, no masks in a school uniform. Actually, look, Lisa, the same kids are going to weekend parties. They're doing sports together. As Absolutely. you say, they're out in the green. Some of them are doing sleepovers. They're in houses where parties. masks are not necessary and they're not worn. No, they're not. And I mean, there's some kids will adhere to it. You know, it's drummed into them. The parents are freaked out. So the kids are freaked out. But generally what I am seeing around the, the town that I live in, that the kids are all hanging out together, but they're miserable in school. They are miserable. They are not allowed. Oh, and they brought it into the code of conduct, which means they are in trouble if they remove the mask. They are told they can only go to the toilet at break time and lunchtime. And these kids are trying to get to a very large school to their locker for those that are allowed to use the lockers to then try and get back to class and then go to the toilet. Is there toilet restrictions as well in some of the schools? I didn't realise that. Absolutely, 100%. There's 100%. You have... I don't think parents know the half of what our children have to go through in their schools. I mean, in our school, the children have to put a lanyard around their neck to go to the toilet. And a lot of parents would say, what's a lanyard? It's that stress string that goes around your neck that identifies you, say if you're at you know, uh, you're a member of staff or you're at a gig and you have you know, a um, crew this is what your child is handed to walk out the classroom door to go to the toilet so it identifies them as a toilet user. Now they're not allowed to go to the toilet only during break and lunch. And they've designated areas in, lar- in the large school that we're in that they must use certain toilets. That can't be and healthy our- either. <laughs> The whole concept of holding on to it for for a child. The children are actually, the pressure that are on our children. I would also like to state that my local radio has been discussing for the last three days about the weight of the school bags, 18 to 20 kg. Oh, that's that's, that's every year. Lisa, I'm going to have to take a break, but thank you for the points. And we will get back to the weight of school bags again, but I think there are more important fish to fry at the moment. What I'm saying to you is, they have to drag these school bags around masked up. 
Ah, okay. Top of, yeah. You know, you know what I'm saying. I wasn't really going into the whole school bag thing. What I was saying is, a lot of schools are not allowing the children use their lockers. Some schools are, some schools aren't. And the kids are have to drag these bags around schools, up flights of stairs, masked up. That's a fair point. That, thank you, know, you very like, much, Lisa. What are we doing to our children? Does anybody really care? <laughs> That's fair all enough. I need to know. Thank you very much. Thanks. Gotta take a break and we'll come back. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Tweet the show at Neil Red FM. 104 to 106 Red FM. Coming up on six minutes to 11 o'clock, this is Mick Mulcahy and for Neil for his two weeks holidays and Sarah is on line one. Good morning, Sarah. Good morning. You're happy the kids are going back to school? I do. I have a son that just started secondary school now. And is he wearing a mask? Uh, he does. He has okay. to. Okay, all day long. All day long. Um, before before we start talking about the mask, can I just can I just say one thing? Um, I just wanted to point the abuse on the internet, the abuse in the comments on every single post. Um, mommy to mommy, it's just it's 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 a, dis- a disgrace to be honest with you. We should be standing together, and um, we we do have different opinions, and we we will have different opinions, but we all people. So I just I just want to ask. Just respect each other and um, just know that be- behind every single comment, there is a real person there with a the real feelings. Okay, is, is this social media comments on wearing masks or not? It's, it's uh, yes. It's about all the COVID thing, the wearing masks. Um, yes. It's, it's, I, I'm reading those comments and I actually can't believe how awful people can be. You know, um yeah, so I'm just I'm just asking. We all have feelings, and especially in this time, it's it's people are struggling. People are struggling emotionally. Um, people are depressed. Um, they have panic attacks, and comments like "you're an idiot" or "you're a bad mother" or "you shouldn't have a child." Um, that's not helping. Yeah, we had over one thousand comments on it since I read the text out yesterday. So obviously, yeah. this is very much like the American, the Republicans, and the Democrats. Right? You, you know, no matter what your guy says, you're for it, and no matter what your guy says, the other side are against the country, it. The country is divided at the moment. There is no doubt about it. It is, and it's it's sad, but it is. But we can't be fighting it between each other, you know. So anyway, come back. <laughs> we can come back to the mask now. Um, Yes, my son has to wear a mask uh, for eight hours a day. They're only allowed to take the masks off um, while they're eating. While they're eating, okay. Um, so I, I'm not going to say too much more than the previous uh, mommy that was speaking, but um, it just all those rules that are um, uh, in and out doesn't really make sense, to be honest with you. Because if you look at... Um, we have restaurants open. We're going to have pubs open now. Um, so you're walking into the restaurant, you have to wear a mask, fair enough. And then... When you sit, sit down, down, you don't. You can take the mask off. So I don't really understand why our kids have to wear a mask for eight hours a day. It's probably because the classroom isn't the size of a restaurant. Um, I don't... No, look, um, my son, every, now, <laughs> every single first subject uh, he has, there was um, there was a talk. There was a big lecture about the COVID nineteen social distancing. They had to basically measure the um, the length of one desk to another by themselves. How, how many how many kids are in your son's class? Um, 
Less than 30. Less than 30, okay, in a normal-sized classroom. And they're wearing the mask for eight hours a day. Uh, yeah. Sarah, I, got, I have to go there, but thank you for your call. Uh, they're wearing masks at schools, but when they go and see their grandma, of course, they don't, says a texter. 104 to 106, Red FM. This is the Neil Frienderville Show. And a very good morning to you. This is Mick Mulcahy. one 106 is our number. If you want to get in touch by phone, by text or WhatsApp, it's 0868104106. And the email for the program is neil at redfm.ie. Now, I'm cognizant there's going to be a slight delay here because this is a long distance call. But good morning to Amy. Hi, Mick. How are you? Good morning. Very good. Good evening. Sorry. <laughs> oh, good evening. You're in Japan. I am, yeah. It's 10 past 7 in the evening here. Okay, and how are things going there, virus-wise and school-wise and children and masks-wise? Oh, God. Okay, where do I start? Um, so, school has started since April here. Um, they start their school in April and finish in March every year. Um, they don't get... The only summer holiday they get is just the month of August only. And so I've been back uh, a long time before the Irish kids went back and... Obviously, with Corona happening, they had to put in a lot of measures for the kids. So um, what they've done is everyone has to check their temperature in the morning and in the afternoon and put on a sign-in sheet. If there's any indication that there's any fever or anything, the kid has to go home straight away. The teachers are ring the parents. Uh, washing their hands between classes, um, opening the windows between classes to air out the rooms. And um, they wear masks uh, all the time. They never take them off. They wear them from the commute. They usually walk to school. Um, they walk to school with the mask on. They're in school all day with the mask on. And they walk home with the mask on. And then they go to their cram schools in the evening or whatever other activities they have to do then with the mask on. And there's been absolutely no complaints whatsoever. And, like, I teach as young as kindergarten and, like, from about three years old. And they're wearing masks and not a peep out of them. Okay, I suppose in Japan or China and some of the Asian cultures, you know, there is a stricter adherence to longer school hours, more homework. Uh, they kind of get into the system uh, of the working regime, even at a young age, if I can put it that way. And yeah. as such, there's also a greater adherence to uh, government diktats or government rules and regulations. And, and that, you know, even at a young age, they, they, they seem to follow the advice of the senior politicians and of the powers that be. Would that be fair? Yeah, that's a pretty apt description. Yeah, but also there is more of a mindset of you're in the community. You can't just think about yourself. So um, they wear masks uh, all winter every year because of flu season. Um, And like you you have to, you're going on the train and there's people nearly on top of you like, they don't want to spread any of their germs if they have a cold. They want to cough and sneeze on people. So the culture of masks is already here for a long time. And I've been here about three years now, and I'm well used to wearing masks in winter. Now, it's a bit strange now wearing it in summer. Um, and, yeah, the kids, like, have a bit of a sweaty upper lip, but they know why they're wearing them. It's, it, like, they've been told why they're wearing them. It's not that they're being forced. You know, they're told, think about your classmates and who they have to go home to. Um, they might be at their grandparents' house. They might have parents that are working in um, nursing homes or the hospital, um, which would be a higher risk. And they have to think about the other people around them. So the fundamental idea, idea is like protecting everyone else. You don't. I don't have parents coming to me saying that like, 
oh, um, it's okay if they don't wear a mask today. It's just they're feeling a little bit uncomfortable. Like, parents don't do that here. Doesn't happen. They, they know it's a very serious virus. They, they'll choose to take the discomfort over someone possibly getting ill or, God forbid, death, you know? Yeah, but is it because they're used to wearing masks like they do every year outside of COVID? They do every year during the flu season. Yeah, well, I think people are complaining in Ireland because they're just not used to it and there's an adjustment period. But they've only gone back to school. Okay, and you've left uh, Cork three years now. What brought you to Japan in the first place? Was it just work or was it a family thing? Or uh, It was work, yeah. I came over here to teach English. So, yeah, I was in Cork for about two years before I came here. Okay. Now, obviously, when you look at the population of Japan, which is 125, 126 million, and when you look at the incidence of COVID-19 in that huge amount of people sitting as low as 75,000 cases, it's obvious that from three years on, three years old upwards to the adults, the teachers, the workers, the government, everybody seems to be, what's the word, collegiate in their efforts and they're, they're working together to combat the virus. Yeah, there's a lot less of the finger pointing and the aggression towards other people. Everyone just has a mutual understanding that they have to wear the mask and just deal with the discomfort until there's a vaccine um, that comes out or, and they just have to social distance and do the best they can. Um, so school still went ahead with just um, a few measurements or a few measures brought in after that. And yeah, it's just like community mindset basically is what's keeping everyone safe I think Would you, li- would you liken it in, in a way uh, Amy to you know when Ireland gets a bit of snow the whole place goes mental you know, you know when Ireland gets a bit of snow uh, there are people driving in Sweden through the snow every day but we, we get an inch of snow the whole place stops people are off work oh black oh, yeah, ice yeah. And yeah, I suppose it's it's not part of our culture to wear a mask, and it never was until now. And it's like this, it's the same problem in the states as well. There's people don't want to wear them; it's, it's uncomfortable. Yeah, and you have a sweaty face, and you can get a bit of spots and stuff around your chin, which people don't like. But at the end of the day, it's a deadly virus that's spread across the world. And I don't know. Sometimes I read comments online, and I think people have lost sight of that, and it's a bit I don't know, a bit disappointing. Yeah, I, was, I was very taken by the content of your text, by the way before we called you. Can I read it out? Oh, yeah. Um, Okay. Oh, yeah, okay. Here it goes, right? Jesus, I work between a kindergarten primary school and a secondary school here, and everyone wears masks all day. If three-year-olds can wear masks for half the day in kindergarten, like they do every year during flu season, then so can your money hold child. Oh, yeah. I mean, I still stand by what I said. I was... It sounded a bit more aggressive than I wanted to. But at the time when I read it, I was quite baffled as to why discomfort was trumping like an illness or death. Because when it comes down to it, that's what it really is. You're choosing to not be, choosing like to be comfortable rather than protecting people around you. You're choosing yourself. You're not choosing your community. Well, you're choosing to be isolated. You're you're choosing to insulate yourself. And you're choosing not not to be complicit in the spread of the virus. If you believe in wearing masks, that is. But there seem to be a cohort of people here who are very, very anti, as if it's trying to control themselves and their personal freedoms. Yeah, look, that's an entirely... I think this was brought up earlier on. There's this whole topic of, like, misinformation and, quote-unquote, medical professionals saying stuff online 
and stuff circulating that's not entirely accurate and people not checking their sources either and not knowing how to check their sources and I think a lot of that has caused this whole anti-mask stuff I don't know that's, that's a completely different topic, I think, on the phone. It is, but you have to be aware how much social media is playing on people's minds here as well, where the Google and the Facebook experts are, and the armchair experts are coming in with their, uh, you know, with their tuppence worth and, and, and unsettling people a little. Yeah, it is, definitely. And the information going around can be really confusing and it can be really hard to sift through, like, what's real and what isn't. Um, but as long as people, you know... Uh, check their sources properly and listen to the government guidelines. They're, they're not that difficult for a, a lot of the time. Like, wash your hands, sanitize, try to keep your distance as best you can and wear a mask. And there's these little things that you can do and it might prevent someone in your family from dying, God forbid. And oh. I just don't see, I still don't understand how that's not the most important thing people are thinking about. Like, why are you not thinking about someone in your family possibly dying? Because that's how serious it can get. And I've already... I know people back home that have friends or relatives that have passed away from this virus. And, like, the, the family members like and friends are, um, that got the virus are gone. And that's well, it. Well, Amy, mentally, so why, emotionally, why and morally, that's where we were. We were at that space at one stage. But we've become very complacent. Yeah, and it's like, oh, I'm sick of the coronavirus, or I'm tired of wearing a mask. And it's like, that's not really... That shouldn't be an option. Like, consistency is what's keeping the numbers of like infected cases in Japan low consistently people keep doing it and saying they're going to keep doing it as long until it gets better but everyone just seems to give up or they don't they don't like it you've got very hot summers there as well and people continue to wear masks don't they yeah it's over 35 degrees close to the 40s here in the summer and they still wear the masks they they have to I know the kids don't like it and they're sweating but like they just do it because they know they have to and they're communicated with properly, and they don't have parents that are kind of helicopter parents flying around them and panicking at every bit of stuff, you know, <laughs> and they're just telling them, look, wear it. You know, you have an older, you have your grandmother here, and I think about her, like, think about if you infected a classmate now and they went home to their grandmother. Like, the kids understand. I don't know. I yeah. think the kids in Ireland are probably fine at wearing the mask. I think the problem is the parents. Okay. Amy, you, you worked in Cork, it says in your text. Are you from here? Uh, I'm from Dublin, and then I moved to Galway, and then I moved to Cork. So oh, so you're all over the place. All over the place. All right. Yeah. Listen, best of luck in Japan. Any chance of you getting home at any any time soon? Have you had any plans thwarted or any any made for the future? The, the problem is not getting home. The problem is if I need to come back because Japanese immigration won't let me back in if I leave the country. So. Oh, really? E- even on, uh, under quarantine restrictions? Yeah. Even under quarantine, I have to go to immigration here and tell them why I want to leave. And uh, if I tell them I just want to go for a holiday, I don't think that's going to cut it, to be honest. Okay, so you'll be be there for a while anyway. Yeah, I hope to get back for Christmas, hopefully, but I don't know how things are going to work out. And the second wave is already going down, so I'll just have to wait and see. Yeah. All right, Amy, thanks. And I know there's been a bit of a delay in our conversation. That's only purely due to the distance you're away from us. Must be, what, eight, nine thousand kilometres? So best yeah, yeah. best of luck in, in, in keeping the virus at bay in Japan and the very best of luck to you, Amy. Thank you very much. Yeah, thanks very much. Bye. Cheers, bye-bye. Now, let's go to Carmel on line two. Hiya, Carmel. Hello. Hi, how are you? Not bad. Not bad. No, they're all talking about mental health of children. What's your perspective on it? What about the adults' mental health? 
battles, I mean, in the houses every day because they're going out and uh, we have to wear masks. And if you have a breathing problem, you, um, you're you caught with, the, um, with your breathing. I'm an inhaler before this virus from my breathing for 18 years, 18 years. And um, I'm desperate with my breathing since um, the masks <laughs> and I um, phoned my GP. I was a bus driver one morning, told me to take it off. My husband was with me. I was going purple in the face, red, he said, take it off. You don't have to wear it. Get there was before the three rules came in now. Mm. But he said, take it off and you contact your doctor, your GP. He'll be able to give you a letter. You'll be counting from the, from the mask. And I phoned my GP and I explained it. And he said, oh, no, there won't be no GPs giving out letters. The government said, no, we can't. Everyone will have to wear a mask. But that's mixed communications as well, because you're meant to be exempt if you're suffering from certain cert, yeah. certain mental ailments, put it that way, and uh, breathing restrictions such yeah. as asthma. Yeah, uh, no, it's not asthma. I had um, a stroke years ago, and it's uh, 18, uh, over 18 years ago, and it's affecting my breathing. I can't do hills now, and um, a small hill now, I can't do it. Even I'm from Carrigan originally, and I do from the shop up to my home place, and I have to take a puff of um, the inhaler because that little bit of a hill by the shop to you to the um, the barracks, I'm caught going up there, and um, I'm the same. I went to him town yesterday. And I came home and I went back to Wave Watchers. I was the open last night and I had the mask on and I can't breathe during the night and I can't breathe this morning. And I had to take my inhaler three times this morning and I'm caught. You're still oh, caught. So no matter how no matter how little you wear the mask, once you do wear the mask, I think it's affecting okay. you, you know, for hours to come. Yeah, and I think since the masks came in and he opened the schools, the numbers have gone up over the masks because people are not washing them. They're pulling them down under their chin, is wearing the masks, not their face, and when they're putting it back up on their, on their face and over their nose and they're breathing in, and their own bacteria because they have their neck, they have their makeup under their chin and that's going to cause a nerve bacteria. You can kill your own bacteria, but you can kill when you keep breathing in. You have one of us has this virus in our bodies. It's, it's in our bodies. We're all going to get some part of it before it goes. And people, I was saying to me on Martin's secondary about this, we're all going to get some part of it. It's like cancer. You're this virus, no one knows. We could all have been born. This could have been around since we were born. Like cancer. And some people, it hit it. It was like ammonia. It's 
like um, TP. It's like everything. Every so many years, it's a new virus. And this is our new virus. This is going to take over. <laughs> Sorry. This no problem, Carmel. Listen, I, I know how much of an effort it is for you to, for you to speak. Yeah, I can hear um, it in your breathing already. Um, and and you, you were really asking about the mental health of older people who are staring at four walls yes, for most of the day going yes, through all of this. People, do people used to go out in the mornings, meeting their friends, living in their own home. They were going out, meeting a person for an hour and having their cup of coffee and their scone or, or their cigarette and going home on the bus before 12 o'clock with their little bit of fish or something or their meat. And they, that makes them happy till the following day again. And they locked, they tied them down for months because they were over 70. There's no man made, no human to be locked down and treated like this in the world. Yeah, well, at least that, sec- that section of the restrictions is now over, Carmel, and, and they can have, up, up to now until this new guideline comes out, of course, yes, they can have six, thinking, six people in their house. Sorry, he's thinking of changing it today. I'm sorry, he's thinking of changing it. He's putting more strict rules out and they came out on our teacher station and he was thinking of locking them in again or for 70 steroids a month ago he was talking about it like we're all got children you live for today tomorrow and promise to no one and I live for today and I enjoy my life because if you enjoy your life and if you go you can make the people behind you have good memories of you enjoying your life. Well done. They will have some memories but if they're lacking their parents and their grandparents and everyone away and speaking through a window and their grandchildren and great-grandchildren no one knows that people here I could be speaking to you here and in two minutes I go off the phone and I could get a heart attack and I'm gone. That and I wouldn't have seen my family or none of my friends or no one. I can see a friend until last Thursday. She begged and pleaded me and I didn't see my friends. My aunts are like families to me till they had tragedy in their home and I was there for them and I didn't see them before that. All right, Carmel. Listen, will you will you take care of yourself and look, don't don't wear the mask unless you have to. I think Michael Martin should take off the mask of people on the street, out in the open. You never pick up because it's too open indoors. You pick up faster, but you open windows indoors and you leave your in. But outdoors, you never. Pick up anything. Yeah, well, it's not mandatory to wear the mask outdoor, Carmel. I'm going to have to leave it there because I. Indoors, I'm... he should in the shops, and I will wear them in the shops, and I will wear them on the public bus. How much my breathing is gone. I will, because close ears, yes, he will have to do it, but not in big space ears. That, and the two meters are gone over the mask. Okay. Because I'm the first person to put up my hands 
I was in Max and Spencer's two weeks ago with my sister. And this woman kept looking. And I said to my sister, I can't taste the woman. And she said, I don't know. And she next thing she said, hey, come back here. You've gone past the two meters. No, the woman. Carmen, I'm going I'm to have to put you back on to Brenda, okay? Because I need to take another call. Uh, I, I don't want to interrupt you, but I, I must put you back on to Brenda because time is against me. But thanks very much for everything you've brought to us this morning. Aaron Wolf is the principal of Colossi Yaman Reach. Good morning, Yaman. Um, Aaron. Uh, Aaron, yeah. How are you doing? Uh, how uh, are you doing? Ju- just like, as I got uh, Yaman right, <laughs> I get Aaron wrong. Uh, uh, yeah, no, Eamon. Colossi Eamon Reach. Eamon we Reach, is it? Eamon Reach. Uh, oh, I thought it'd be Yaman in the old Irish style. No, no, no. Eamon Reese. Eamon Reese. After Edmund Rice, who's the, the founder of the trust that our school belongs to. Okay. okay. The, old, the old Deer Park CBS. Okay. Now, it's mandatory children have to wear masks in schools. Can you give us the detail on it? Well, I, I, I can only speak for the secondary school section uh, sector. So, in post-primary, the I think it was about the seventh of August, the HPSC recommended the Department of Education that face coverings should be worn by staff members and students where it is not possible to maintain a physical distance of two meters. So, it is a requirement in all. It's a requirement in all um, schools that can in all secondary schools that can't maintain a two meter distance that students would wear masks and masks are the first call and then I mean if a student has maybe sensory issues and the doctors know can back that up a student might be able to wear a visor than, uh, instead but yeah masks are a requirement in secondary schools and no, and no requirement for masks and visors together no 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 requirement for the two together what Not about masks schools. during PE Aaron um, well, some schools aren't running PE. I can only, again, speak for my own school. Um, we're, we have a huge pitch out here. We've got great facilities, thank God. So our students, and the great weather has allowed, our students have been out. They haven't been wearing masks um, because they're outdoors and they're maintaining physical distance. Um, I mean, for the roll call, when they are in the hall, they've kept the masks on. But... Um, Issues like changing rooms in PE, that's been a bit of an issue. For me, I was very lucky that I was able to timetable all my PE classes to be on the last two classes. So our students come to school in their school tracksuits. They stay in the tracksuit all day and I thought they can go home hot and sweaty and they don't need to get changed. They okay, don't need to they shower, shower at home. They can't do. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. So a lot of planning has gone in. And I have to say, I'm confident the students at my school uh, because the compliance and the, the behaviour has been fantastic. But let's and talk about that for a really, second because yeah. you're, you're dealing with a cohort. You're dealing with a age group now who are well able to speak for themselves uh, and have any of them given you any honest opinions as to they're you know they're quite they're quite happy to wear the masks or it, or they find them very restrictive no, I mean, I mean, yesterday we had a student and he felt sorry for the poor guy. He had a cold and he said he had to go home because he couldn't have a cold wearing the mask, you know. His nose was runny, he was using tissues. It just wasn't, the poor guy is very difficult. But by and large, the students have got so used to wearing the mask. Now, at lunchtime, we're all out in the yard and they take them off if they're physical distancing from each other. But no, the students have, I mean, young people are very adaptable and they have embraced this because they realise the severity of the virus. And in our school, we've been really on a campaign to educate them on, you know, these are the steps we have to take because we can end this if we all follow um, public health advice. We have good hand hygiene and we wear the mask. Then the virus will, will die down in society and we won't have to worry about this anymore. Yeah, so proper understanding of why the mask is necessary. And if that's communicated in an effective way, then you're halfway there really, aren't you? 
Absolutely. So in our school, we had decided the 18th, until the 18th of September, all our classes would, we, we keep emphasising the importance of good hand hygiene and wearing the face mask. We have decided to stretch it out just till the end of September, just to keep hammering home that message. But if, if we educate them and they understand it, and one of the big conversations was the understanding that young people, okay, the virus might not affect them as severely as it would affect me or the other teachers or the other staff in the school. And they've really taken that on board. And I tell you, they have been superb. Uh, the behaviour, everything, they are brilliant and credit to them and credit to the parents of our school um, because they've had huge understanding and, and huge cooperation because it's very, very difficult for schools at the moment. Okay. It's been, we've been very rushed to get things opened and we've had to change all our different systems with lockers and heavy school bags and we're trying to address all those issues. But, you know, we're getting there and parents and students, but they've been fantastic, absolutely. Okay. Well done. It's good, good to hear everything's going so well for you. Aaron Wolf is the principal of Cloche to Eamon Reach uh, in Cork City, the former CBS Deer Park, is it? That's right. That's okay. the one, yeah, on St. Patrick's Road. Thanks again, Aaron, as always. Thanks a million. Cheers, Thanks. Mick. All the best. Bye-bye. 11.30 now. The Neil Prenderville Show on Twitter at Neil Red FM. And a very good morning to you. Our phone lines are open, one 104 You can text or WhatsApp on 086-8104-106 or email neil at redfm.ie. There's a nationwide taxi driver strike underway today. Uh, taxi driver's demonstration calling for greater government support is underway in cities across the country. And up to 1,500 drivers are taking part in the biggest demonstration, uh, which is in Dublin. And we're going to go to Dublin now to a Cork taxi driver called Suleiman, who is there. Hello, Suleiman. How are you? Very good. Now, Cork taxi drivers are joining their Dublin compatriots in a protest outside Leinster House. Are you there? I am here, yeah. I'm just driving at the moment in the Ormond Quay. Uh, a Norman Key, okay. And you're yeah, highlighting yeah. the lack of support they've had from government during COVID-19. H- how is it less than anybody else got? Oh, I mean, this is very, very less. I mean, we don't have any support. Like, in the government is just forget about us, you know. They they know everyone else apart from taxi drivers, you know. There's no kind of... You know yourself, like, the pubs are closed and everything is closed, so our business is gone. I mean, we have nothing, you know. And we are left like this, you know. And okay, there's no and- support from taxi. Did you have any recourse to getting the COVID payment? I did it like that time and uh, I thought I, I went back to the work. I COVID-19, I was there about for two months on COVID payment and then I thought that pubs are open after phase two. So I just uh, um, closed my pandemic. I went back to the work and to be honest, I made a mistake. I closed the pandemic and there's no money, you know. There's okay, nothing so you, on the you, you didn't make more than the COVID payment when you went no, back to work? No, 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 man. Nothing, man. No. Okay. And I went back. I went back and asked them, "Can I apply it again?" They told me, "No, sorry." So of course, in in the middle of all this, it. of course, there was you know, and many mm-hmm. in the taxi industry made their own efforts to, uh, you know, introduce extra safety measures in their vehicles, like perspex screens and sanitizing. Yeah, and all this, have, of yeah. course, is a cost. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And to be honest, we left like we about ten taxi drivers. We left from Cork five in the morning, and now you know yourself, like I, this is nearly half eleven, and Traffic is off. There's too many cars, too many taxis, you know. Okay. Dublin is nearly blocked, you know. And how many taxis do you reckon are in this demonstration now? I don't, to be honest, uh, more than a thousand, definitely. definitely. More than a thousand? And are you yeah, all going to get yeah. to drive past Leinster House or what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All of them because at the moment uh, we're on the bus lane and the bus lane, but there's two lines. And they start from uh, Cunningham Road, I think, and we are like parked on the road for nearly... Because we were there nearly uh, nine in the morning, 
because this thing will start about 10 o'clock and for one hour if i can see everywhere taxis both lines was blocked both sides and at the moment you know we are moving nearly one and a half hour and we travel only maybe one and a half kilometer okay so this is an added expense it's a day out of your working your working week as well and of course the cost of of driving up there. So you have people from mm-hmm. Kerry, Kilkenny, Galway, Cork and Dublin all in the capital yeah. to highlight issues facing members. Yeah, 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 there yeah. And how long yeah, do you yeah. think it'll be before you get to Leinster House? I think, uh, uh, to be honest, I'm not really familiar with the, uh, Dublin. I'm in Cork nearly 18 years, only in Cork. I love Cork. And uh, I don't know, to be honest, exactly. Okay, and of course, the one thing that most people don't realise is that there is a huge number, an element, a percentage of the mm-hmm. taxi drivers that are over the age of 70. So they've also been uh, they are, they are. cut automatically from the PUP, the Pandemic Unemployment Payment. Yeah, I know I was talking with a couple of, you know, taxi drivers, they're really old, you know, definitely, you know, and I was talking with Bobby, you know, who's a, a president in Cork Association, the Cork Taxi Association, and to be honest, everyone is suffering a lot. Yeah, we're trying to contact Bobby, actually. There's no answer from him at this time. And we've been, uh, you know, mm-hmm. ho- hoping to speak yeah, to him for some days. We, we get together, so we just put some flag, a car flag, and we just put some stickers on the car. So we, we met in the, when, we, when we parked the car, and after that, we are driving at the moment because our, everyone is their car, so we are driving at the moment. I mean, he's busy, you know. Okay, so what, what do you see as an outcome? Do you, do you, you want to get a kind of government subvention we, to get you back to work fully? We hope. We hope. Yeah, of course, we love to go back full time if the, everything is open again. But I, I don't know. We cannot. See we don't know when will be open everything. You know, and uh, you know what will happen. Trust me. Okay. <laughs> we don't know when the government will support us. At least some grant or you know some relaxation. And the, there's nothing. You know. Yeah, you know the, the, the transport minister don't care about taxi drivers. They care about everyone else. You know. Why is that? I don't, because I don't know, they, they don't count us. We are small public service vehicle, you know, SPSV, but they just, I don't know, they forget about us, you know. Has the taxi I, industry been good to you, Suleiman? Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm working nearly eight years. Uh, it was good, you know, I, I feed my family, I can pay my rent. It was good enough, you know, there's okay. no trouble. But since this thing happened, we are, as I told you, I was in pandemic for two months and after that, nothing. All right. I don't know what to do. Suleiman, we're after getting through to Bobby, so I'll, I'll take him from here, all right? Thanks, you very, thanks no very much. Problem. No problem, thanks for your call. Thank thanks you. very much. Bobby Lynch is there now. Hi, Bobby. Hello, Mick. How are you? Very good. We finally get to speak. Um, I know you've been waiting a long time to come on, so uh, if, I'm, I'm glad we got to you. It's mad busy there, I can hear it. Well, I've been waiting seven months, uh, Mick. <laughs> well, I'm happy to oblige anyway. Uh, tell me, what's the story? How many taxis are you seeing there? About a thousand? Ah, no, there's a lot more now. We're, we're, we're still making our way, our way in. You know, there's two lanes of traffic all the way in. One and a half hours. Uh, one, yeah. one and a half hours, we're trying to get in the keys, you know. And it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. It's and Bobby, what, what can the government do for you guys? The, you know, there's, there's a general lack of demand. Now, you know, wet pubs in, in most areas of the country hoping to open on Monday. What, what, won't, won't that give you some, some of the business back? Well... We don't know until uh, we see what they're going to do, the guidelines. We, we, we have no guidelines. The only, guide, the only guidelines we got was to look up the website and don't forget and wash our hands. No. Uh-huh. Well, 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 we're actually out in the front, driving frontline walkers to, to and from work. And there's no guidelines given to the taxi driver. What do you want? 
Do you have Perspex screens and hand washing and all that in your taxis now? Well, at a cost to the driver. Yeah. And do you all have the ability not to accept cash to take cardless payments now? Well, we don't. And I said, you know, it's great. I'm glad you brought that up because a few weeks back, Jerry bought the motor myself had a piece on the evening echo. And Jerry was saying every taxi should have a chip and pen. And I rang Kenneth Lane to know could he ring Jerry Buck motoring me. And he did. And when I taught him that I agreed with him and the rest of the, the lads agreed and that we should, we should all have chip and pen, but not the ones that the NTA wanted us to have. Push them down our moats. He goes to me, Bobby, the line is breaking up. I'll ring her back in a minute. I'm still waiting for Jerry Buck to motoring me back because I tell him why. Well, I agree with him. He had no answers for me. He had the clue. Okay. Would, would you agree or would you contend, Bobby, that the taxi industry is one of the most over-regulated, unnecessarily over-regulated industries in the country? The taxi industry, Mick, is destroyed by the power that be because it don't cost them one penny to provide the public with a service. It cost us. I was talking to a lad from Pakistan this morning he works in Cork, he came all the way to Dublin with us. A young man with two young kids, he's paying 8,000 insurance. Now, when Michael McGrath was in opposition, he was shouting and roaring that he'd do something about insurance. Now, I call him Michael McGrath. Take it off his ass. I get out there and help us. I meet our mountain with him because it's a disgrace to where our industry is gone and no one cares about us. As I said in my press release, we're the forgotten. And we won't be forgotten anymore because I think today we, we let them know. So a lot of lads are on to me, why are we doing this in Cork? In Cork, there was no laws made. All the laws were made above here in Dublin. And it's, we took it to Dublin to start this. And Cork will have its own one. And I'm telling you when I sent out to Texas about to travel to Dublin... I thought we were the rebel county. I'm afraid we're not. All the excuses I can make were a disgrace. Now, I know fellas have school runs on my head, but outside of the excuses with school runs, you want to see the rest of them. that I have my phone that I kept. They're a disgrace. Fellas couldn't go to the wayside hospital appointments. One fella told me he was waiting to go to a funeral. I said, what the hell? The person might need dress. Now, that's, that's the type. Now we're looking to support us. They won't get off their ass to come out and, and save their own livelihoods. But it seems like so you've enough you've enough support, Bobby, do you? Well, we have plenty up in Dublin, but I'm afraid in Cork. If we had, no, we're going to have a protest in Cork, and I hope every driver will come out and show his support. It's only for an hour or two in Cork. Mm-hmm. That's all it's going to be. But the government, we have a minister for transport. He's still asleep. He never woke up yet. This industry is on its knees. And I said it a few years ago to, to Neil. I said, this taxi, the, the taxi driver would be a thing of the past. And the Irish government is letting it that way. Because when I retire, if I die, my player retires or dies with me. It's a disgrace what they did. Bobby, and, 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 as we speak, Antishik Michal Martin is on his feet and he is outlining the government's five-point plan for living with COVID until next April. You could have picked a, a kind of a quieter news day to organise your protest. Well, 
We shouldn't be picking any day. We should be allowed to get on with our business. And we have an advisory council that I sat on for years that is a complete disgrace. Why should the Hotel Federation or any other group have a say in the taxi industry when we have no say in their industry? They slowed us down. They did everything to us. They slowed us down. There should be nothing only taxi reps and taxi drivers sitting on the taxi advisory council. I'm not sitting on the Hotel Federation, am I? And I wouldn't be left. But yet they can come in and tell us how to run our business. But is there, a, is there a nationwide taxi driver strike underway today now? Or while many of you are in Dublin making protests, are people making hay while the sun shines? Well, there's no hay in my field today. And there won't be no hay there. There won't be no hay if they don't get off that ass and come out with support to, to save their industry. There's nothing there. Those fellows have no other choice. But to go out and draw the COVID and walk it, they can't pay their bills. They can't pay their bills. They have to pay high insurance costs. And another thing, I didn't work for seven months. And if I take my insurance out of my care, I, I'd be coming back into this industry as a newcomer. It's a complete disgrace. Well, you had to keep your insurance valid, did you? I had to keep it valid. I just insured I just, uh, uh, insure it the other day. Eighteen hundred pound for oh, just to sit there and do nothing. It's a disgrace, Mike. Okay. I don't have much time left, Bobby, but I've had a text to say, can you highlight about the ten-year taxi rule that the government won't change? Ask yes, Bobby yes. about that. You tell the fellas there now. They know exactly what we are looking for, and we can't go in for a hundred things. We can only go in for a few at a time. The ten-year rule. The, that's the, 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 the ten-year ten rule is already on the farm. That's gone in there. The ten-year rule has gone in there. What's the ten-year rule? That you can only keep a car for ten years in service, is it? Ten to twelve. No, I, I didn't keep a car for ten years. Or it's nine years. Just the nine-year rule, right? No, it depends on when the time of the, the year I came out. No, I can then get. I have to get rid of that car, but I can give that car to you or your wife, and she can drive that. And drive kids to school, let them do all that. And we're, we're looking for an extension onto it, and also onto our, our license. A two-year extension onto that. And that's not costing the government nothing. It's a tough game you're in, Bobby, and look, we salute your, your efforts to, to make it better for everybody in the business. Uh, you know. Well, I'm calling, and, 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 and there's a bill being put through the dial to the innovation fan. And we know exactly who voted for us, and we know who will be voting against us. And if they're not going to pass that bill, I'm afraid we're going to do our best to bring them down. We did it to the Labour Party years ago. We told them that we'd bring it down. And we, they won the Labour seat, cotton cock, not even the council seat. And we'll do it, and we do it to Fianna Fáil. Me and my Anderson cock, and he didn't once ring us. He got emails and everything off us, and he never got back to us. Eamon Ryan got back to us and he said he wouldn't meet. He was too busy. How was he too busy? He's a minister for transport. He's doing nothing. He caused this to the But I call a lot of taxi drivers now, Mick, to come out when we have a protest. There's bases up here today are closed and come out and support this. There's thousands. I, 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 just, like I was a lot of people from Dublin. But I tell you, they're all after waking up. 
All right, Bobby. Listen, I got, I got to leave it there. Great, great to talk to you in the end, and and you've you've outlined the situation very clearly there. So I know it's a tough game you're in. I know you're fighting for change, and fighting for a little bit of fairness, and fighting for government support. So we do wish you all the very best, Bobby Lynch. Are you the president of the Cork Taxi Association? Yeah. No, Cork Taxi Council. Cork County Council. <laughs> All right, Bobby. All right, Mick. Take it Thanks easy. All the best. All bye bye. Right. Now, Anthony's holding for quite a while. My apologies, Anthony. I'll be with you in a moment. The Neil Prendival Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 1850 104 106. And a very good morning to you from the Neil Prandival Show. Ban women from pubs. I agree with that man who said that women should only be allowed in gastro pubs. They get too messy in the wet pubs. Uh, we're expecting a bigger reaction on that one, but we didn't get it. We got one or two texts, but there you go. Uh, now, such a distasteful time uh, to try and pass the Dying With Dignity bill. I want to say good morning to Anthony and thank him for holding for so long. Thanks, Anthony. Good morning, Miguel. How are you? I'm very good, Antonio. Um, I, <laughs> so you feel that if people had any doubt whatsoever how detached the current government are from the reality, uh, from reality at the moment, then the reintroduction of the Dying With Dignity bill is concrete proof. Why do you think that? I think it's just going to be slipped in now underneath the counter and I think, well, Gino Kenny, I have no comment to make there, but Mr. Halligan started piping up about it as well about a fortnight ago and I just think, no, I think it's something that the people should have to vote on. You know, we're talking about people's lives. The country, the whole world is topsy-turvy it's the most distasteful and disgusting time to introduce something like this, to ask people to sign up for, oh, I'm going to take my own life. Now, I w- would be more worried about senior citizens because we've heard all along about coercive control, you know, taking money and everything. And Paddy O'Brien, I suppose, would probably be better to talk to you about that. So I have no doubt it's wide open for abuse. And why we're not Japan, we're not China, we're not Europe. I consider myself Irish, not a European. And I mean, I don't want to go down the road of Belgium where there's no age limits. So if you can tell me how a two-year-old can decide on euthanasia, I'd love to know. In the Netherlands, it's 12. I mean, do we really want to go down this rabbit hole? Do we really want to go down this road? And I am sick to death of hearing about Mary Fleming and her case and I have respect for Vicky Phelan but I think there's an old saying hard cases make bad laws Are you making a distinction Anthony between assisted dying and assisted suicide? Um, Is there any such thing as assisted suicide? And There is in some countries that's that's what it's called uh, assisted dying would be more on the on the mercy side, where somebody in capacity would take their own decision uh, to end at a certain time of their own volition, their lives uh, with less pain than they would have to endure if they continue to live. Uh, assisted suicide is, uh, to all intents and purposes, uh, you know, a, a murderous offence. Yeah, and assisted suicide. Mary Fleming. I don't like talking ill of the dead, but Mary Fleming was well-capable, well-educated, and could have taken her own life. She didn't need assistance from anyone. She knew that was her condition. I'm not judging. I'm not. But 
hard cases make bad laws and I don't trust this government and Mr Halligan was all about he was on the media morning, noon and night he was on the radio he was on every television station he was on social media he was on everything about Washford Hospital and Washford Hospital and it was actually last May in Washford Hospital there was dead bodies left to rot outside the morgue because there wasn't enough room inside the morgue and they were actually decomposing on trolleys outside the morgue and he didn't say hand, act, nor part about it. Leo Varadkar denied that it even existed and he, even though he got a letter from four different pathologists and you, anyone can look this up online and two days later, Leo Varadkar had to say, well, I apologise, I was wrong. But wouldn't changing the law here, Anthony, I've got to be the devil's advocate in in certain respects here. Wouldn't changing the law here allow a dying person to have an open and honest conversation with their doctors about assisted dying? This is kind of illegal now, right here, right now. It's impossible under the current structure of the Irish law. Well, I'm just saying to you now, Mick, dying with dignity. This was last May. This happened in Waterford in the hospital. Those people and their families that were allowed to decompose outside the morgue on trolleys. Did they die with dignity? Well, whether they did or not, they should have been afforded more dignity after death. This is the same government that wants to bring in a dying with dignity bill. I wouldn't trust them to look after a goldfish or a pot plant. And I'm surprised that Michal Martin is talking again. It must have taken him about four hours to take off the bandages like the Invisible Man. Well, he's just finished speaking in Dublin. Uh, on Tarnished is speaking now about the uh, the five point plan and COVID, which I want to bring um, some points to uh, the listening public before the end of the program. So uh, I, I wish we had more time, but if if the government have had had any, you're saying if the government had any doubt whatsoever that they're detached, it's by bringing in this now when people's mental health has already been assaulted by the restrictions of COVID nineteen. Yeah, and I have heard, especially elderly people, older people that they feel they'd be better off dead, you know. And I I just think it's absolutely disgusting and distasteful to bring this bill in. And it's Gino Kenny is pushing it now. I think it's disgusting, distasteful, totally wrong timing to bring something in when everyone is afraid of their own shadow, when the whole world is topsy-turvy and we're heading into a recession. I just think it's absolutely disgusting. And we know, like, every law that's passed in this country by that stupid Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael government, that once the floodgates are open, you'll find out that you'll be like Belgium. There'll be no age limits. You'll find, like, the Netherlands, it'll be 12. Slippery slope job. It'll just elaborate, and it'll just be a free-for-all, like everything else. So, and I would encourage, especially the older people in society... If you grew up in a Fianna Fáil and a Fianna Gael household, which was the case in the past, remember what they did for you during the COVID crisis. They made you cocoon and they left the elderly people to the last of the queue to be looked after. So vote for anybody. Vote for Sinn Féin. Vote for Intua. Vote for anybody. But if you vote in Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael again, you'll keep getting the same result. And hard cases make for bad laws. I'm sick of hearing about Mary Fleming. All she right, Anthony, I've got to leave it there. Herself. I've only got a minute left. Thank you very much for your contra- contribution. Now, the Taoiseach says the new plan is about living and working with the virus. Taoiseach Michal Martin said he understands how people feel exhausted after six months with COVID-19. He says the plan is how we'll work as well as live with the virus. 
He said he understands the public anger with the changing policy uh, and has said the threat posed by the virus continued to change throughout the summer and understands public anger with changing policies. The Taoiseach confirmed there will be five levels of response as we thought to different levels of the threat from the virus. Currently, every county is at two, including, it seems, Dublin, although he said a collective effort is needed to get to level one until we get a vaccine. And he's confirmed Dublin faces extra measures to limit the spread of COVID-19. He hasn't put them in uh, phase number three, but possibly phase number two with pubs closed. That's the Neil Prendival show for today. My thanks to the incredible production team, Brenda Dennehy and Emma, and to Mark Willington as well, working so hard to make it so easy for me. We'll talk to you tomorrow morning. Thanks for listening to this Red FM podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and check out redextra.ie for more great Red FM content.